Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 161 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. We're here to chase away the Blue Mondays. Uh, this is going to be an absolutely gigantic show. So much stuff has happened since we did the last episode. It's almost overwhelming. The rundown feels a little overwhelming. Uh, we're going to we're gonna chop, chop through this stuff. So I know sometimes maybe we discuss things a little more in depth than some other podcasts might, but not tonight. We've got to get through a ton of stuff. So we're going to keep it short, quick, and to the point. Uh, those of you guys watching on YouTube, please subscribe via Twitch Prime. Instructions are down below. Give us a free 250 every month. All you got to do is just click one button. We'd really appreciate it if you could do that. But like I said, we don't have any time to screw around on this episode. We got to get right to it, and that's what we're going to do. So we're going to kick things off with The Division 2. We talked about it last week. I had played a good bit of it. I have now played a metric ton of it. And the first thing I would say is that I have enjoyed the game less the longer I've played it. <laughs> Um, it's not a bad game. I still enjoy spending time playing, but I've really started to uncover a lot of issues and wrinkles the more time that I've spent with it. Um, and we don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but as usual, we, we do one week where we kind of give our first impressions. Second week, we follow it up with our final impressions, and that's what I'm going to do right now. So um, as far as issues that I've uncovered as I've played more of The Division 2, a lot of it has to do with level balancing in conjunction with the cooperative play. So I'll preface everything by saying that if you have friends to play with on your friends list who are always going to be there to play with you when you want to play, this doesn't relate to you. If that's the case, you're going to love this game. Playing it with friends, everything's fine. If you're even just playing with randoms, everything is fine. The problem is it's very hard to get randoms to join a game with you. So you can, and if you've played it at all, you know how annoying it is because you just constantly get calls for help from other players. And like you, I ignore them. Uh, because you, the other problem with it is they don't, there's not enough information given when you go to join or someone goes to join you. They have no idea what mission you're, you wanna play. They have no idea what you're doing. If somebody offers, asks for help and you check, it doesn't tell you what they're doing. Hmm. So you have no idea whether you'd wanna join their game and help them or not. That's and, very weird. No, it's awful. It, I think it's what keeps the cooperative play from working. So um, I have tried to play this game by myself um, just to see what it's like to try to play it as a single player. And basically what I found is you can play missions that are a level or two higher than you. They're going to be really hard. And you're going to have to fight through every room and kind of perfect every room and use all your skills and all your perks to get through each room. But you can do it. The problem is you get to the end of that mission where you fight that final boss room, or maybe it is actually a boss, and you could fight that room <clears throat> like 20 times trying to beat it. Because literally, if the, the level of the mission is a level or two higher than you, all it takes is one burst of enemy gunfire to kill you. So you basically just have to be perfect, and you have to be very quick with your healing. And, uh, but by the time you get to the end of that mission, beating that boss at the end, that boss level, is almost impossible. I mean, you need luck and you need to play perfectly to do it. So if you're trying to play by yourself and you're trying to go a level or two up because the, the alternative is grinding. And the more I've played this game, the more I've realized there are literally like three side mission types. Mm. And after you've played it for 15 or 20 hours, you're sick of doing those same mission types. You're, you're tired of taking control points. You're tired of silencing the PA system that's sending out propaganda, and you don't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm a level or two below this campaign mission. I'm going to trudge forward and play it. And it's just this 
exercise that literally each mission, if you play it by yourself, and again, if it's a level or two above you, it could take like two hours to get to the end. And then maybe 50-50, you'll be able to finish it by yourself. So when I start a campaign mission, if I've decided I wanna play with somebody else, as soon as I start the mission and it's initiated, that's when I send out the call for help. And what I've found is, on average, it will take about 45 minutes for someone to join your game. Once one person joins your game, it seems like others are more quickly to follow. But and so a lot of times you start a mission, you fought through like four or five rooms on your own, and then someone will join in. And then it makes it manageable. But once you get to a certain part in a story mission, they no longer allow people to join your game. So if you send out that call for help, and it's been going for the hour and a half that you've been playing that mission, and you get to that at the end and you really need help, you can't get it. So what I've done is either just shut it down and basically just wasted two hours of my life, or I'll leave it sit and I'll go do what I need to do and try to come back. But every time I've done that, it has booted me out of the game and all my progress is lost. So the, the trifecta of the cooperative play, the way it's set up, um, the lack of information you get from cooperative play, the inability to pause the game or save the game mid-mission, I literally have got to the point where I don't want to play it anymore. So I could go back and grind and just shoot a billion guys to level up a level or two. The other issue with, with doing that is that you get so little experience for completing those smaller missions that you have to just do tons and tons of stuff to go up one mission. The flip side of that is if you complete one campaign mission in general, every time you do that, you go up a level. So it's this balancing act that you play with yourself. You're like, okay, do I want to go play this mission by myself and try to get people in? But what happens if I get to the end and I can't finish it and I have to go do something because I have a life? Um, I, I got caught in that trap like four or five times and it basically disgusted me to the point that I didn't want to play it anymore. Now again, I want to remind you that I said, if you have people to play with for this game, people that you know are going to be there when you're ready to play, it is great. But playing this game by yourself or trying to rely on randoms to get in a game with you has has proven to be a complete debacle. Now, that's something that seems like it should be easy to fix. Mm -hmm. <coughs> You'd think. Yeah. It's like, it's not something that completely flips the script on the game's design or should break other systems in the game. They just aren't giving you enough information to make informed decisions as far as whether you want to join in with another person cooperatively. Literally, if they just provided that information, it would make things so much easier and so much more enjoyable. With all that said, I've probably played the game for 40 hours now. So <coughs> even if I'm at the point where I really don't have any interest in playing it anymore, that's okay. Like if I had spent $60 on this game, I've already got my money's worth out of it, hands down. Um, I had seen some people when I started playing it telling me that they got to level 30 in like two days. That's a lie. That is a straight up lie. There is no way, no way. I don't care how you maximize XP. That is not happening. This game is a grind, and it takes a long, long time, even to get to level 20. I mean, I'm like level 22 or something, and I've been playing it for like 40 hours. <laughs> and I didn't, from, I didn't do it from the beginning. Like, I didn't follow some strategy guide that says this is how to maximize your XP. You figure it out very easily. There's a, there are perks that you can choose that multiplies the XP that you get for each kill. If you, like, so say you kill like five guys with one grenade, you can get bonus for killing all five guys with the one grenade. There's like five or six different levels of that. And I maxed all that stuff out first because I knew obviously that that is the best way to build XP and to level up quickly. And it still takes a long, long time. And I think maybe part of what happened with me at the end of the game was I started to become impatient 
and I got tired of the grind. And I was like, you know what? I just want to try to get through these campaign missions if I can. And uh, I couldn't. And I had nobody to play with online. Love all you guys, but none of y'all seem to want to jump in and play with me. I don't know why. I sent out calls for help and nobody ever comes. Um, and so I could not find people to play with that were on my friends list that would want to play. I always had to rely on randoms to jump in with me. Um, so I would say the game's not balanced terribly if you're just taking it the way the game kind of forces you to take it, which is, okay, you are the exact level of this campaign mission, play it. Then it's perfectly balanced. But if you're even one level below what they're recommending, it's going to be a struggle. And if you're two levels below, it's, it's tough. You have to play at the top of your game to get through it. So those of you who like to play games by yourself um, and don't like to grind, this is definitely not a good choice for you. So... The game's not selling well, Matt. I don't know if you saw or not, but it no, sold like like twenty percent of the first division in its first week. Hmm. Apparently, I'm not alone. Yeah, I mean, you're not. It looks like a lot of people were like, "I got what I needed out of it." But at the same time, to be fair, this game is significantly better than the first game, um, in a number of ways. I, I, they they've done a good job of updating something while not turning it into something else entirely. But it does make me wonder what the future of games as a service is. Because I'm kind of starting to get to that burnout point now. I've never been like a player who liked to grind levels anyway. Even back in old JRPD, JRPG days on the SNES, I quit a lot of those when I got to that point where, oh, here's this boss that's 10 levels ahead of you. Now go out into the world and hack up these same five enemies for the next 10 hours so you can fight him. Like, I never got into that stuff. Um, and, I mean, would you say that this, that's intrinsic to games as a service? Do you find that to be typical? I mean, yeah, a little bit. Um, do I think it has to be that way? Probably not, but it's certainly the paradigm that the major publishers that are making them have seem to have chosen. I don't know if that's because that's like a, a metric that they've found maximizes something, or if it's like... Or it just extends the game. Or it's, yeah, that's what I mean. It extends the game, it extends the time you'll be there, and probably the, the time you might spend on some microtransactions. Or if that's just like, you know, no one's been creative enough to, creative enough to break out of that mold. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. Even as That's one of the reasons I didn't want to play it, because, like, it all sounds familiar. Everything yeah. sounds familiar, you know? There's certainly nothing groundbreaking. I mean, unless you want to talk about, like, the dark zone. It, here's a video where the tweaks a, to the dark a zone. guy got to level 30 in 14 hours. 14 hours? Yep. I don't know how that's possible. I'm sure there's 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 tons of like if you just do like level thirty fast like you find all these like guides on how to like maximize things and don't do side missions till you're level 13, 16 because they scale but also would donate like your junk oh, so they've to dug like, into the data yeah and they they're, out. They're, it's, they're min maxing right. basically they're 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 maximizing the 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 XP scaling to uh, give them the maximum amount um, is that enjoyable playing a game that way. Tons of people do it. So <laughs> I, I know, guess, but is I it enjoyable? Some people, some people love it. I mean, I, it's not something I would really do. But, yeah. It kinda, um, to me, it just kind of defeats the purpose of playing a game. It's like you're, telling, you're letting someone else tell you exactly how to play it. That seems weird to me. Eh. I mean, there's a whole, there was a whole strategy guide uh, industry based on that for years until the Internet made it 
redundant to pay for that. But I mean, I'll say that like that type of stuff wasn't really in strategy guides. It was usually just like this is where you go, this is how you solve the puzzle, this is how you beat this boss. Well, for you know, for if you're dealing with people that like consider the end game to be when the game starts. No, that's a good point. You know, grinding through the early levels is is just like busy work you have to do to get to the real thing. So. But the campaign missions in this are way better than the other content. I mean, it's mm-hmm. night and day. And I actually really enjoyed the campaign missions in this, even though they're, they're really long and they're really tough, particularly, like I said, if you're trying to go in a little earlier than maybe you should. Um, but they were interesting. They actually had some semblance of the plot incorporated into them. Not that the plot in this game is worth anything. It's terrible. But uh, at least it, it seemed to tie it in a little better. One thing that I hated about Anthem was when you would have mission stuff happening while you're playing, because everybody had a suit on, like I had no idea who anybody was. It was like, wait a minute, and you go back to like the base, and someone will be like, "Hey, we did a great job out there." I'm like, "Who the hell are you?" Like, because you never see their face; they're always in behind a mask. Um, and at least in this game, you can kind of connect the dots between what's actually happening out in the field and then the story segments that happen once you go back to the base of operations. Um, and I like the game world does feel alive. I mean, there's patrols for both the bad guys and the good guys going on at all times. You can get caught up in these battles that you know, just unexpectedly emerge between, like, your side and their side out in the streets. Um, and honestly, some of the best loot that you get are when sometimes they'll encounter, like, a heavy or whatever, and you come upon that fight and you help him finish off that heavy and he'll drop, like, a rare or whatever. That, that ended up being some of the best gear that I got in the game. So, yeah, I guess I would say if you weren't sick of The Division after The Division 1, you'll probably like this game. I think if you're like Matt, like, I would not recommend that Matt pick this up and play it. I just wouldn't. Like, based upon what you told me and how much I know that you played the first game, I would not recommend it for something. I have no interest. I mean, maybe, like, one day when everything's out for it. Next month? (laughs) When there's nothing to play. It's, like, $15. Yeah. I would consider it if I was bored and had nothing else to play. But, like, I can't think of anything I'd want to play less right now. Especially after Anthem. I mean, I feel like I already kind of went through that ringer with Anthem. Yeah. And I'm sure Division 2 is a better game, but it's too late. Especially yeah. considering I already played Division 1 to death, and I don't have anyone to play with regularly, because that group that I used to play online with all the time kind of disintegrated due to, due to life. Um, uh, people move on. Yeah, I mean, and, I, don't, I didn't have people to play this with. Like, I had no one to play with on my friends list, so I had to try to play with randoms. That yeah. is not it's also worth, this is the first time I've seen, like, other people I know in the industry on Twitter and stuff saying like, "Hey, if anybody wants to play Division Two, like even Sessler, they couldn't find people to like play even with. Sessler was like, "Hey, I'm I'm looking for people to play Division Two with. If anyone's got it on Xbox or whatever." And like, I I've never seen even him. You know, he, he's always got someone. To, but like, it's it, it, the same it case for me. I have like, tons of journalists. Feels like on people my just list. sort of like, yeah, here it is. We're done. Hey, whatever. Like, it, there's nothing about it that like caught my attention. I mean, it's sort of the days gone of games as a service. It's just like, yeah. yep, that's a thing. Yes, like if you so you can also go into the menus and try to match up with other people. So someone else who is hosting the game, but you can't again. You cannot choose what mission. So say I need to complete a campaign mission. I would like to be able to go into the interface and say, okay, I'm looking for someone to play with for this mission. All you can do is just go a select, and it randomly chooses missions. You have no idea what mission you're signing up for until you get sucked in and booted up, and there you are with your partners, and this is the mission you're playing. And for me, every single time, it was a mission that I had already completed on my own. So there's a lot of hassle 
playing this game and nothing really works, I, at least I think the way it should work, um, or maybe it's the way they think it should work. I, I disagree if that's the case. Uh, there, there would be a lot of easy ways to tweak this game, I, in my opinion, that would make it far, far better. And that's kind of my hope. Um, Ubisoft doesn't typically abandon its games when they're not in a perfect state. They usually stick with it, particularly their games as a service. Uh, so I have faith that Ubisoft will be on it. Uh, I just wonder if the issues that I'm having are the ones that they even view as issues or not. But they were kind of deal breakers for me. Um, again, not having somebody that I could play with on a consistent basis online. You, you've forsaken me, Maddie. I needed you. Yeah. yeah. Not for this one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what you see is what you get with The Division 2. There are lots of tweaks uh, to the formula that the first game kind of laid down as a template. Uh, but it's not markedly different than that first experience and to spend another 60 bucks on it i have a problem recommending that so there you go 60 bucks plus whatever they're going to charge for the expansion stuff later yeah season pass or whatever yeah i'm sure there's a hundred dollar gold version Probably. or whatever in yeah so i say take a pass unless you didn't play the first game and if that's the case you're definitely getting the best experience of the two if you jump in here or you just get the first one for cheap yeah, for like 10 bucks probably yeah. Yeah, at this point. And then you have all that other content to play through as yeah. well. So that might be the best call. All right, we're going to talk next about what I believe is the biggest story of the week. And this is something we, we discussed briefly. And we, we did not do a good job of guessing what this was going to be. And that is Google's game streaming initiative called Stadia. And uh, we did some prophesizing in the last episode of what we thought might happen. We were pretty much wrong across the board. Um, what were your first impressions, Matt, after it ended? And now that we've had, and then we'll address, okay, now that more information has come out, what we think. But what was your first impression when you just saw the presentation at GDC? Um, my first impression was that they're trying to sell me, they're trying to, I felt like I was in Alaska and they're trying to sell me a refrigerator. <laughs> An ice cream cone in Alaska. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's going to be successful or not, but like, I feel like the whole streaming is the future thing is total bullshit. Okay. It is a thing that does not do the consumer any favors and doesn't really help you except in very specific use cases. And for the most part, it is a corporate driven, uh, methodology that they're trying to convince us is cool tech because what they want is to be able to control the content and the experience and everything on their end more than what we've already had. And to me, removing the home, the in-home hardware, removing that kind of stuff, it does me no favors and does nobody any favors. Uh, and I have negative interest in it. Uh, the tech is impressive. Um, Google, you know, a company as big and resource heavy as Google throwing its weight behind an idea like this is actually pretty cool to see in terms of just sort of like, wow, like, it's going to shake stuff up or it's going to like, you know, it's going to make the, the, the big three sort of at least probably like prick their ears up a little bit, um, which is, you know, not a lot does that anymore, especially since like, you know, Microsoft and Nintendo are real comfortable with each other and Sony just sort of does its own thing. Like there's not a lot of, there's not an interaction between, you know, the, the three companies sort of run the industry right yeah. now. And uh, kind of Google throwing a monkey wrench into that, it could, could end up with some interesting stuff and uh, in play. But uh, as someone who, as a customer, a, a potential customer, like this, this is a solution in search of a problem to me. Like there's no, like stream, game streaming is just like you're introducing more lag, you're introducing a lack of ownership over the content, you're introducing the ability to take away 
you know, if, uh, in a Netflix style sort of like, oh, that game I like, it's not here anymore. Like, it's not there this month. It'll be back in a couple months, but you can't play it right now because it's not here. And it's just like, I mean, it doesn't well, sound like that's a part of their plan, but you're right. It opens up it's the part opportunity. Of, it's, it's like, you know what? I'd re- you know, look, people can talk about and compare this to Steam as much as they want, but you know what? If I install everything I own on Steam on my computer and then rip the Ethernet cable out of the wall, I can play all those games. Yeah. Like, it's as simple as that. And... Uh, I don't like, uh, I'm not like a paranoid conspiracy, you know, stand up for the games person or anything. Like, I don't believe that there's, you know, there's like energies aligning against us to take our games <laughs> away or whatever bullshit is going on over on 4chan or whatever. But yeah. like, like I do think that like giving up control and local hardware and, and the ability to run these things, not necessarily even just disk, but be able to install the game on our local hard drive mm-hmm. and run it from there one way or the other, however we like, to, ins- to use mods to tweak INI files, to do what, you know, like I know they're not positioning it to be a competitor to PC gaming. They're kind of pitching it more as like a, you know, our new console sort of experience, except without having to have a console and pay 500 bucks for a console. Um, which makes some sense in a world where console, you know, the next generation consoles are clearly going to be pretty expensive, uh, just by the nature of what they're going to put in, the, in them to make them kind of a worthy leap. Yeah. Uh, this soon after the Pro and the and the X, um, and but like the the only way it makes a lot of sense in terms of the trade off and the downsides of it is if you're saying, well, yeah. I move the analog stick and it takes a a full second and a little more to get Alexios to move, but I'll put up with that in exchange for not paying $1,500, $2,000 for a top-level gaming rig, whereas, you know, as they show, the games look really good if you have a quality connection and if it's streaming, you know. I'm shocked at how good All the water and all that kind of, you know, there's stuff like that that's too expensive to really run on a home rig if you can get the connection right, but it's like, I just don't see where this leads right now. Maybe it's a future-proofing thing, but like... You know, oh, people that people that are like video games but don't want to own hardware or pay five hundred bucks for hardware. Okay, but they do have like a four hundred megabit down internet connection. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, or like, like you don't want to pay that much for a console, but you do want to pay however much a month for this. And like, like I just don't know. It feels like a very small Venn diagram intersection of the people that would actually benefit from this or be interested in it. And I'm interested to see kind of how how it plays out because right now they're just sort of doing that Apple thing where they tell you how awesome something is and right. you totally want it even though you're like why would I want wait I, I don't want that because look even if I buy this Stadia thing and and, and subscribe to it I still got to buy a PS5 to play God of War 2 yeah. I still got to buy a, a Switch 2 to play the next Zelda or whatever they put on it's like it doesn't solve the problem of owning a console for me it just it's another way to play multi-platform console games and like maybe the thing that Jade Raymond comes up with or her team she's running, maybe they'll come up with some exclusives. I'm like, well, I got to have that. And if that's the only way to play it, I'll do it. But like it doesn't, you're basically adding another thing for me to buy. You're not replacing the consoles I already am going to own. No, that's, like, that's absolutely accurate. So yeah. like I don't know why they keep doing that whole thing. You know, and, and like I wonder if you're going to end up with people that like get this thing and are like, wait, I can't play, you know, God of War on this. I can't play Spider-Man Two on this. Like I thought, this was going to be for everyone and the whole thing. So I don't know what the, what they're going to do with that. I, I just and you know you, you're still up against the you know the literal speed of light yeah. when it comes to you know for competitive games. I don't, you know there's it seems like they've solved a lot of latency problems in the, in the chain down to what you know what, what's called the last mile, where like you know really the only thing that can screw you up is the is the, the user. user. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? They no screw one, up stuff no all one's the better time. at screwing stuff up than the user. I promise you. Know, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a limited use thing, and I don't think it benefits us as gamers or as consumers to any degree 
to any appreciable degree. And the other flip side of it is like, hey, you remember when Google Glass was the next big thing that was going to be how we all lived our lives with this f- stupid fucking thing on our face? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Remember that was the biggest thing in the world? Yeah. Remember, like, every, you know, you had the people that were in the beta, they were walking around, it's like, oh, and you put it on. Yeah, it's Jeremy really cool. Hoffman, I used to oh, work yeah. with him. He walked, came to work for two months straight with it on. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was super into it. And I yeah. lo- you know, I tried his, his a couple times, like, it was it's cool it's like you know it's like it's like this cyberpunk thing and it's neat and like and he's like you know he said he said you did you did the google glass smile uh, you know you, you looked at you you get this grin on your face it's like look at this tech it's cool but i'm still not it wearing it. i'm not gonna wear yeah. that thing yeah, it's like, <laughs> and now who you know when was the last time you heard that yeah. before i just mentioned when was the last time you thought of google glass yeah or google plus yeah. or google wave or any of the other things or any other things done. that they like yeah. they ride for 18 to 20 months and then just like give up because it didn't do what they thought it was going to do i think that's a concern certainly uh, I do think, I think that it's going to go away in like 18 months? Probably not. But I feel like that's when you're going to start to see that they're going to start to have to shuffle the deck chairs on the Titanic a little bit to try and figure out what they're... Cause, cause I think look, that'll be the inflection point for it, though, because that's when the stuff that Jade Raymond is working on mm-hmm. will start coming to fruition. And yeah. that will be the day where they figure out if this thing's going to work or not. Mm-hmm. I just don't fully buy it. And I think it's telling. That, I mean, it's cool that they showed Doom. Doom is sort of a, a make or break thing for that because Doom is so fast and so split second. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought it was telling that one of the main demos was also Assassin's Creed Odyssey, much the same way that the demo for PlayStation Now was Uncharted 2 or 3. I can't remember which one. Yeah. But I remember playing that, and it did feel pretty much the same, but the trick on that is they're using Odyssey the same way they used Uncharted, where those both characters in both of those games have a bit of a, a wind-up to yeah. their animation when you start to run. Yep. And I, I thought it was very that smart. It masks it. Yeah. It's very smart of them to do that, but it's also very smart that there were the, I saw several people using their phones to do like latency tests, like just sort of you know informally they're using super high, or they're using super high frame rate cameras, like 240 frames per second cameras. And they were not testing it with the character; they were testing it with the cursor that's the in, the, in the menu screen. Yeah. And it was a full, it's like a full second wow, that's bad. before the cursor reacts to your. And I'm like, that's not good enough. And I don't think there's anything you can really do about that because you still have, you have to send the controller signal to the server farm, and then you have to process the the reaction to, of the game. You got to send it back to me, and then my stuff has to unpack it and show it to me. Yep. And like that's about as good as that's ever going to get. And you know what? I can't play Sekiro like that. So go away. No, you can't. You're right. Um, I think Google was in a tough position because it debuted this technology to the hardcore gaming audience. And I teraflop. I didn't even look at the screen till now. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) perfect timing with these graphics coming up as well. And and I get why Google did it. It's because it's trying to reach the developers, and that's what GDC Mm -hmm. is all about. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, everything that happens at GDC is consumed by people like us. It's not consumed by people who are more casual and maybe play games on their phone but might be interested in maybe upgrading. It's us. And we do have consoles, and we're going to buy the next Nintendo console, and we're going to buy the next PlayStation, and we're going to buy the next Xbox and so you're right. It is like a redundancy for us. Yeah. I mean, this is a really cool demo they did here. Like, there's a, it's a very clear difference between what you can do with their multi-GPU with the single. But at the same time, I'm like, so you're you're aiming this at people that don't care enough about games to pay $500 for a console, but they're going to be super blown away by your water tech. Like, well, they will be. I mean, well, a, game, it, a pretty it, game it, is yeah, a pretty game. Cool, Anyone but like, can what, appreciate. You know, what does it do? What does it do? Like, it's. What it's, do you mean by what does it do? What, how does it affect anything? It's just pretty. Like, yeah, it, but I mean, people care about graphics. But then, are they going to? In get, fact, most people care about it a lot more than we do. Are they going to get a <laughs> five hundred gigabit down? You know, it's, it's like. Yeah. Well, let me get to it. I, I was trying, so, trying to. I was trying to kind of get to my argument there. So, this is 
to me is not, despite the fact that they have signed up Phil Harrison and all these all-stars to work on the project, this technology is not for the people that these folks are used to making games for. This is for the casual folks. It's for somebody who wants to find a cheap way to play great looking games. Um, they're saying that they're gonna be able to stream at 8K at 120 frames per second eventually. I'll believe that when I see it, I mean, because you're absolutely right. Theoretically. There's, theoretically, yeah. right. There's no pipe big enough, at least in America, that If that, that Google work. Fiber thing comes back in force, I mean, because they've... But says, they bailed on that. That's something else that they kind of bailed on. Yeah, well, it's, it fizzled a bit. It's still in play. It's still happening. But, like, there was a, whatever, was it in Kentucky or something? I think so. Where, like, basically they just kind of hit a bunch of, like, red tape walls, more or less, and they gave up. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but there's still, you know, Google Fiber's still around, but it's like, you still got a fair chunk of the country that's, like working off satellite and until you get like that spacex low earth orbit geo you know and asynchronous thing where like they're just going to like basically like spit satellites in a low earth orbit and like instead of geosynchronous which is slower you're going to have it's almost like it's I th the idea is basically like you're going to have low earth orbit satellites that create like a giant wi-fi field yeah that like of like super high speed internet and you're going to be able to get that in more rural areas and like these satellites are just going to crash periodically <laughs> and they'll just spit more up um, I don't know how well that's going to work, but like it sounds like it's going to be a more functional solution. Um, but that's not that's not happening tomorrow. You know, like it, no, feel, no. it feels like Google is kind of. But that's know, the thing. Google has the potential. This isn't for tomorrow. This right. is Google's play it's for tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and many many more tomorrows to come. In fact, yeah, I, we, we give you the fucking Macbeth references on, on our podcast. Yeah. How are you doing? And in fact, I would say that I don't think Google even expects this to do much of anything for several years. I think this is a play by Google that they're looking a decade, two decades down the road. Like my instinct would be they to have agree, to be. would be to agree with that, but at the same time, they continually do things that you think would fall into that category, and then they just abandon they them. They do. I mean, that is the concern: is that Google's track record for sticking with its ideas yeah. and its projects now, is granted, not glowing. Now, granted, that doesn't mean that the technology disappears. They've still got it. They yeah. could always bring it back when they think the time is right. But it's weird to me that they think the time is now. Um, I'm also curious because, like you say, GDC is you know developers and us is basically who's seeing yeah. this. I'm very curious how their pitch or how their presentation to uh, a more mass audience will be for this because because I don't think it's going to be all these white screen PowerPoint slides. I think there's no. you're going to have to do this in a more it'll be like a Nintendo market, like a more with yeah. families together and them going from one room with their TV and then going to the end of their bedroom and there it is on their phone. There's just a point at which you're kind of like, well, okay, um, why do I want this more than, say, Game Pass or yeah. PlayStation? Well, nobody wants Well, you have to have the heart. You have to pay the yeah. $500 still. But I mean... Nobody wants PlayStation now. But like, <laughs> it, it's... It, it's tough because as look as hardcore gamers, our first instinct is to be like, I don't like it, so maybe no one else is gonna like it. But I don't think that that's the case. I think if casual people see the same presentation that we saw, their mouth is gonna hang open They're, because we've been exposed to some of the early tech around this stuff. It wasn't a big sort of wall of awesome that hit us, but I think a casual person watching this, it is gonna do some really cool stuff. Let's be honest, it is gonna do stuff that no other platform does. Um, whether you're willing to trade off latency where you can't really play shooters and fighting games and really tough, like, timing-based games like from software stuff, that's up to you. But I think for the you're, vast majority really of people... You're really cutting down. I mean, I'm playing Tetris at that point. 
No, um, not at all. You can play any action-adventure game. You can play every action RPG, which is the biggest genre in the industry. You can play all the puzzle games. You can play want, RPGs. As long as they don't want to parry anything. Right, but you're talking about games where it's like, you know, you have a 30-frame window to do something or it fails. Like, first of all, a lot of those games aren't popular with the with the, the mass audience. They're kind of niche titles even with within our group of folks. So Skyrim, Assassin's Creed. No, you can play Skyrim titles. on that fine, man. You can play... Anything on it. Honestly, the only genres wanna, that I really have an issue properly. with are like from stuff, like anything where you have like, like fighting like, games, shooters, online shooters. I could play a campaign on this fine. Would like I want to play online against other people? Probably not. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I do. I want to introduce an extra second of lag to my shooter. Like, like I. I, I really don't think it's a second, man. I mean, you may have seen one little cell phone video that showed that. I mean, Google. I saw three. Google's and they not going to roll this out if it's that bad. They're just not, man. But it you is know that. that. But the speed of light is the speed of light. Yeah. Like, like it, you can't the, get better the than that. PlayStation Now doesn't have a second lag. And I guarantee you, this is going to be at least as good as PlayStation Now. At least. And but, I, my guess is it's going to be significantly better than PlayStation Now. I just don't buy it. I mean, if well, you don't have to buy it, it's free. <laughs> no, it's not. It is. You can even use your PlayStation and Xbox controller. You got to subscribe to the it's thing. It's nine bucks a month or whatever. That's they haven't changed. When did they say that? They, I, didn't, I didn't see any pricing stuff. They have not announced pricing, but it would be asinine to charge more than like ten bucks a month for it. I mean, I agree. That's my guess. I agree, but I don't think it's gonna be nine bucks a month. I think you it's don't? gonna be like fifty. You think it's gonna? Whoa! Wow. Oh, that would be a deal breaker. I don't think. I think, I think it's ten. More, I think ten to fifteen bucks a month is max. I mean, price. I agree with you that that's what it should be, but I don't think that's what it's going to be at all. No one would pay that. You could buy your console within six months. Then they have to make it a value proposition for people who don't want to spend five hundred dollars on a console. Yeah, There's no way they're going to charge that much. No way. They got to make. I mean, you're talking about an economy of scale in that regard that they're never going to get to then, because you got to still pay the developers. You got. I mean, how do you pay the developers if no one's buying games? What do you do? You do the Apple thing where you're paying per time. And that, I mean, the, that's the other thing is, like, think about what happens if this actually does take off in a big way. You're yeah. talking about changing the paradigm of how games are made. You're talking about we can no longer do quick re reaction parry animations because they, you, you, it'll require it to be too fast for the latency on this. This is it's, never going to be like... You're talking about... No, if you're talking this about... This is not going to replace consoles. I think that's I'm another thing that people are freaking out I'm about. I'm not talking is, about replacing consoles. Our consoles I'm about, aren't going away. I'm like, talking about if the way Google does this, if the Stadia becomes the way people... You know, the mainstream audience decides to basically, you know, voting with their wallets sort of says, this is how we prefer to consume video games. And yeah. the other companies realize, like, well, we can't sell consoles anymore. We got to we gotta move forward with this. And, like, you ha if you're going to make games and you know the majority of people that are going to play it in the mainstream audience are going to be playing it in, in, a, in a scenario like this, you're like, well, we can't have a five, a two or three or five frame window for this. We need it to be ten frames. And that changes how you design that game. And the other thing is if you're paying developers the way the Apple thing is, if you're paying developers per time played by the by you know, the, the, sort of the way ratings work in TV. Like the more time people spend playing, the the more, which kind of sucks if your game's three hours long and, right. like, some, and like Skyrim <laughs> is the yeah. other your competitor. Yeah. Um, Bethesda's making a lot more money from fewer people yeah. in, that, in that situation. You, you are basically going to be driven to adopt 
what we would think of now as mobile game tactics, like ways to keep the audience captive yeah. and because all you care about is all, all you care about is retention. I mean, you could even do something silly like just add load times when there are no when there shouldn't be load times. I mean, it can well, yeah. get really dirty. Like well, especially because like that was one of the time. one of the points they bring up is like the yeah. load time. Load time. We're gonna might get be to Apple in a bit. We're gonna talk about Apple Arcade in a bit. I'm but, much less excited about that than I am for this. I'll say that. But. I will admit though, at least Apple showed me some games I don't own. That's true. Yeah. There's a couple games on that service that I'm actually pretty excited about because of what they are and what they're a yeah. follow-up to. Whereas this is like sort of like, here's a different way to play things you can play on the other boxes just fine. Like the, the live or die on this for me is going to end up being what Jade Raymond and her internal right. people can produce as an exclusive where I can't play it anywhere else. That's the thing that could get me in. Just like everything, you know, just like everything. It's the same reason I'd buy a PS5 to play God of War 2 or whatever else, you know, yeah. goes to Tsushima 2 or whatever they're going to This put tech out. does do some pretty freaking cool stuff, though, that you can't do on any other platform. Like, just that instant access to a game. You see a game and you, like, tap it, and there you are. You're, you're right in the game. You're playing it right away. There's none of that. You don't have a chance to mm. second-guess yourself. It's like those impulse buys are absolutely, like, impulse yeah. buys. I mean, I, I can't do a counter in uh, Batman Arkham City, but I can play Arkham City real fast. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's an irony there. Somewhere. I mean, look, you haven't used the tech yet, so I think you should tread a little lightly on banging on it and assuming it's going to be terrible. Is that fair? I don't think it's going to be terrible. I just think it's going to be not good enough to be anything I care about. Like, that's not, you know, what they're showing here isn't terrible. Like, what they're showing here is a lot of cool tricks. But cool tricks doesn't mean it does anything useful to me. Like, well, I, don't, I, mean, I don't have any use for this. Well, I have zero to, use for this. I, I wouldn't say I have zero use. Because my PC, I have, a, like, a GTX 1080. This destroys my PC. Am I okay playing most games on this instead of my PC? Abso-freaking-lutely. Absolutely. I have no problem with that at all. Now, would I play a fighting game or a shooter online or a game like Sekiro? Hell no. But that's three genres out of, like, 20. And I think that's what Google's going for. It's like, yeah... Like, we're not going to have, like, eSports tournaments for Call of Duty running on Stadia. But, I mean, I could play the single-player campaign of Call of Duty on that fine. I wouldn't have any problem with it. In fact, it would be but, better for me because it would look better than anything I could ever afford to play it on. Mm. It has, there's a market there. But the, I think the problem was they debuted it to the core. There had might be to, a market but, there, but I don't see it hitting critical mass to the point that you can charge a low enough subscription price that still gets everybody paid in the end. I just I I don't I I mean I know this not, it's not my business what their economics yeah. are because I'm not a shareholder but I just don't see how that works. But what overhead does Google have? All those nodes this, they didn't just set up all these nodes just for Stadia. Those have been no. there. Well, that gets into kind of why I think they're really doing this and why they're so interested in this kind of idea. Whereas there's other people, you know, because clearly you know Sony has similar tech. We know Microsoft is working on similar tech. Yeah. Because um, what? Because. You know, and, and the reason, the way, the way they're trying to kind of force this Netflix model on video games. And on everything. On everything. I but mean, that's the, just the way everything's I, but going. I think, but I think the, the forcing it on video games is interesting because I don't think video games as a medium makes a lot of sense to use that model on. Just because of how big things are, how, how much data has to move. It's certainly different. The fact yeah. that you, are t you require input. You know, Netflix makes sense because you don't need to have any input from me beyond press play. Like, the fact that you constantly need input interaction between the end user makes this a very strange thing to want to do as a streaming service. It is, yeah. And what I think is happening here... It's a square peg in a round is, hole. Right, like I said, solution in search of a problem. But I think the problem they're actually trying to solve is there's a, there's a thing, and you'll see people talk about this sometimes if you get into like kind of deep business stuff on, on Amazon and such, 
um, uh, Hassan Minaj's Patriot Act has an episode about it where he goes into a very interesting thing about how, um, uh, you know, talking about Amazon and how uh, they can le they can use their retail leverage to sort of like get what they want by making massive losses. There was a the example given was was diapers.com where Amazon wanted to buy them and diapers.com didn't want to sell, so Amazon just slashed prices of diapers. So people would, would like, be, you'd be crazy not to buy diapers on Amazon, right? Yeah. And eventually diapers.com lost so much business, they ended up selling themselves to Amazon, and Amazon got what they wanted. In the process of doing that, Amazon lost hundreds of millions of dollars because of the slashing the, the prices. Because right. the diapers didn't cost them any less wholesale. Yeah. They were literally losing money on right. purpose to get what they wanted. To get a, a but the reason it, Amazon can do that is because they make all their money on AWS. Yep. Uh, 50, something like 53% of the entire internet is hosted on Amazon servers. Fifted hosted on yeah, AWS. Yeah, tons. Yep. And when you look, Netflix is hosted on Amazon servers. Netflix is 15% of internet traffic. That is mind-blowing. 15%. <laughs> and think about, I mean, I mean, Netflix Crazy. is, and that's, you know, streaming high-definition high movies is no small data feat, but... Stadia, if you do some napkin math, you're talking about 20 gigs an hour oh, on yeah. that thing. It is 20 you're gigs talking an about, hour, yeah. Think about the percentage that would be if that became like critical mass. And now think about the fact that Google controls that, not Amazon. Yeah. That's, this is Google's play to be in the same ballpark as, as Amazon yeah. in that regard. That's going what back doing. to what I was saying, like their overhead isn't that much. All their right. overhead are the people what who I'm work saying, in the department and the game developers. But what I'm saying, the point of what I'm saying there is that this thing doesn't exist because it's a good idea for us to, to play games this way. It exists because they think this is a way to solve a problem they're having in terms of market share and in terms of competition. It's like, possible. This is not a consumer-facing product in terms of its use cases. It's a thing they're trying to convince us is a good way to do something differently that we've been doing a certain way a long time. And I ain't buying it. Yeah, data caps. I mean, are, I don't buy their story, and I'm I mean, not, the, I might buy it if the subscription price is as cheap as you're speculating. Yeah, just to see how it works. I will say this: I feel pretty good that we got this far into the conversation before we talked about data caps, because <laughs> that was the low-hanging fruit yeah, that that's, everybody that's discussed immediately. Yeah. That was like, yeah, Captain Obvious, obviously with data caps. And it's and it's ironic because like data caps aren't a big thing in America. The problem, I don't have one. The pro I don't have one. The big problem in America is infrastructure. Yeah. If you're outside, of, fast if you're outside of LA or New York, yeah. you're basically, you've got a question mark about yeah, this absolutely. thing in terms of qu the quality you're gonna be able to play it at. Conversely, Europe has pretty pretty good, yeah, America, it does. but yeah. they've got data caps everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And if you're, yep. you're streaming 20 gigs an hour, yeah. like, I mean, because that's just what it is. I also have a feeling that if this ever caught on and became a big thing, I have a feeling that suddenly RISPs would have data right. caps. Right, uh, especially with... It may be much bigger than what people are used to, but there would still be data well, caps. Well, especially with Ajit Pai killing the net right. neutrality yeah, thing. Because which they can do whatever opens, they want. opens the door to, to doing do whatever that. they want. Yep. Um, I wonder if Google knows sort of, it, and it should, it knows its rollout of Google Fiber. And if it's saying, mm -hmm. okay, well, people don't know this, but we do, that by 2026 or 2027, we're going to have this percentage of penetration across these geographical regions. And maybe it's just saying, look, we got to get this seeded now. We have deep pockets. They do. We could run this for the next 200 years and not make a penny. It would really put a dent in what we're doing. But we need to get in at the ground floor now and get people thinking about it. And by the time everyone's sort of internet is up to the, the, the place where we know it's going to be because we're the ones mm -hmm. doing it, maybe then that's when they think it's going to turn over. But I think the big problem is that everybody is acting like this is supposed to be a big thing in like two months. And I don't think that's Google's plan at all. If it is, they're idiots. Well, the, but I, and I know they're not idiots. Well, I also don't fault people for thinking that because the presentation on this, and I think we'll also run into this when we get to the Apple arcade thing, 
the presentation is kind of standard Silicon Valley tech presentation where things can't just be neat. They have yeah. to be the biggest revolution in the history yeah. of everything you've ever done. <laughs> yep. You will never eat the same again. It will never be, you know, it's, it's like, you know, and, and at a certain point you got to step back and be like, it's streaming game video, dude. I like, just watched that documentary about Theranos. We, 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 we've, been do, we've been doing that since on live back in 2011. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's but not look, a this thing. This does do stuff that oh, none sure. of those others do. And it, some pretty cool but stuff. But it's an evolution, not a revolution. Yeah. And it's also like, you still haven't sold me on what I need this for, you know, like, I mean, granted, I'm in, and that's the thing is like, I'm in LA, I'm in the middle of LA and I have a connection that could run this at kind of the, you know, I don't think I have the connection to do 8K whenever yeah. that happens. But like, I, I mean, they're saying you're going to be able to play it buttery but smooth have, on 5G. But, but I have that connect, I have the connection that can do it. I do have access to Google Fiber on this street if I decided I wanted to switch to that, which I, I haven't so far. Um, but like, you know, I'm set up to do this in an ideal situation from a tech perspective. I just don't understand why I should want it until I start to see some stuff I can't play anywhere else that I just can't resist. I mean, which look, might happen. Look, they like you like they hired some good people for yeah. you know. If, if if anyone can put together some stuff that I look at and say like, well, I don't care if it takes a second of extra lag. I need to play this new crazy idea Jade Raymond came up with. Like, that's a totally plausible scenario, but they haven't yeah. gotten to that point yet. They're not ready to show that yet. I mean, personally, me looking on down the road and knowing the PC that I have right now, would I be willing to spend 10 to $15 a month to have an 8K PC rig that will play 70% of the games I want to play? Yeah. Like, I, that would become, like, what the Xbox X, One X is for you right now. It would be mm. become my third-party machine. I would still own a PlayStation, I still own an Xbox, I still own a uh, Switch or whatever the hell it's called at that point to play the first party stuff, but I would start playing all the third party stuff on this. Mm -hmm. Like instead of spending, you know, 2 or 3 grand to build a rig that can do it, I would just spend $10 a month. Like that even me as a core gamer, I could see areas where I would use this service provided it's not a complete freaking disaster. I just don't, I mean, I I'm going I know just because of what I do and how I am I will always have the hardware to play these games locally. Yeah, you will. And I will never choose not to. The only reason I would use a Stadia is to play exclusive stuff. And that's fine. I mean, it's yeah. why I buy Nintendo consoles, yeah. too. I mean, it's not um, out of the ordinary. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not a, a shot at them at all in that sense. It's just I don't have any interest in giving up control of that. Kind of, you know, I, would, I would rather build my own PC so I can have control over how to mod things, where I mod them. If something updates and breaks it, I can roll it back. If the drivers aren't working properly, I can change that. I mean, ideally, Google will be on top of that remotely anyway. But I, you know, I like to be able to, you know, be able to change the INI if I need to. If something goes weird with, you know, especially at launch, um, you can only you can only tweak that so hard from remotely or count on this service to do that for you on a remote basis. Um, I just prefer to have that kind of control. The other question I have, which is not really related to whether the service is going to be good or not, or whether like you should buy it or not, but just in terms of kind of a longer range fan of the medium what question. What about this stuff? The integration with Let's Play. How big of a deal do you think that is? I don't know. It it's kind of a big deal. It, no, not it, it's only a big deal if the right people embrace it, which is possible. Like, depends how much money. You mean all the kids on YouTube? Letting them, like, control the person's stream that they're watching? It depends. Like, I think it could be pretty big. It could be, but not necessarily. I mean, Google Glass could have been pretty big, too. Like, it just... Yeah, this is different, though. It's got, you got to catch it on. Market. I mean... Eh. Yeah, it like, is. It's, you gotta, it's, it's gotta, playing video games, ultimately. It is, but it's got to catch on first. And like, you but know, this, is, this is something. This could be the Trojan horse that does it, though. 
the let's play integration stuff because this will hit the kids. Uh, and if, if it, their plan is really to make it a success in it six years. It doesn't depend on the kids. It depends on who Google pays to do it. If they want to throw a million dollars at Ninja, they will yeah, probably. You know they will. I mean, it's but then Google. he's playing a game that probably isn't going to work too well on this this service. For I, I wouldn't think. By for, then it could be he could be playing five other games. Who knows? Yeah, but I, I bet you one way or the other it's going to be an online competitive game because that's the yeah. thing that those are the things. But that, that would that also drive be something that, that Google would want. I mean, that's ideal, right? If you can get Ninja to play Fortnite or some online game on your service and still dominate. Right, but. I mean, if you're getting paid a million dollars, you're probably going to pretend that the lag doesn't bother you. But like... <laughs> well, it all comes out in the wash. Either you dominate or you don't. Either right. you win or you don't. So, um, I don't know. That'd I think it would be a good test. But my question, I, think I was, a lot get, of people my are question I was getting to was, say, Jade Raymond or whoever she's hiring team-wise to make their game. Maybe they make an exclusive game that's really good. Maybe they, maybe they make the next generation's equivalent of Shadow of the Colossus. It's a maybe they make art. Game of the it's Year. incredible. Maybe they make a Game of the Year. What happens? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. what, no, 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 not in that because I don't give a shit about that. What I'm saying is, what happens to that game? What do you mean? Stadia, Stadia goes away, or like Google shuts the service down. Where's that game? They've never released a physical version of it. That game goes yeah. away forever. Well, they still have the what code. Happened? Yeah, but what happens to it? Do they release it well, separately? Well, Google Do owns they... the rights, and then Google could either sell the rights off to someone else, or they could publish it themselves if they wanted to publish. If they want to. I, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that at all. Like, I, I think in, from an archival standpoint, in terms of, of the history of the medium and moving forward and, and making sure these things are preserved, uh, some, you know, and some of that comes from me as a film fan. You know, sure. We went through that early part of, of moviedom where no one thought anyone would ever want to see these stupid things again. Yeah, so, like, yeah. there's all these lost movies from back yeah. you know, pre-1940s. Like, I don't want to hit a point where, like, you know, some of the... You know, yeah, I'm sure... And there will be, like, a piracy scene, or I'm sure some, there's some way to get that somehow... Uh, that someone would figure out. Although, again, I think part of this is just uh, the streaming service thing is a giant DRM scheme. I mean, these but, um, look, the code is code. It's game code. It's yeah. just running on a machine somewhere else, and that signal's being beamed to you. It's not like it's, it's like crowd uh, run or something, and it's like this thing that you're splitting up and all these different processes. It's, it's still built like a normal video game. Right. Every but, game made for but it. But Google owns that, and they may never give it back to you. They may, never give, they may, may, may never give it to us in that form. Like, they just keep it in their vault. You know, they go Disney with it. They just keep it in it's the possible. vault. We never, we never see it again. We, or Google know. may want to just make money off of it, you know? I mean, it, make, it makes more sense that they would not do that. I don't think so. Why? You would make more money if you sell the game instead of Because they're not interested in that revenue for the same reason that, like, you know, you have that thing where like where EA shuts things down even though they sold seven million copies. It does not gonna it's not gonna make enough money to make it worth them even spending that time. You know, it's that thing about how like if Bill Gates is walking down the street, like, and he's you know we, if we, you're walking down the street and you see a quarter, like usually we'll pick it up if we see a quarter on the ground, right? Just go. I mean, part of that's just because we grew up in arcades and that's yeah. that's how quarters <laughs> work. For, you see a quarter and you're it like, it actually has value. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's like a dollar to play an arcade game now, but it's like <laughs> yeah. still, you and I see a quarter on the ground. We're like, we're like, hey, we're that's worth cool, something. Yeah. And like Bill Gates, it would have to be like thirty thousand dollars <laughs> to be least. worth the time it takes to him bend to down. bend down. <laughs> that's like kind of the thing here. It's like, well, we could release this game, but what's it going to do for us as a company? Nothing. We're making trillions of dollars doing this other stuff. So who, why why would we want to start a publishing arm for physical retail copies of things? It doesn't make any sense to us. Um, i you know, and that's a total hypothetical that has nothing to do with whether you should or shouldn't want to play or, or subscribe to Stadia. But just as a concept of this streaming idea, like that concerns me that these that games become more ephemeral and, and exclusive things to these streaming services could get lost forever. Um, I mean, I have concerns about the same thing about Netflix originals. You know, like like 
Sometimes some of those are released on, on video uh, later. I think the Marvel stuff got released. Yeah, they on usually video put later. it out on DVD. But like some of those things could go away forever if they're not popular enough. And like, but that's if you didn't care terrible. about it in the first place, why would you care that it went away? Because it's still something. <laughs> like I don't care about a lot of the movie, movies that are like kind of archived from the silent era, but like they yeah. should still be there. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that these. I mean, this for there's, archival purposes right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and maybe Google contributes a copy of all the code of their exclusive games when Stadia is over and gives them to the Library of Congress or something, I don't know, yeah. uh, or some game museum somewhere. But like, what I'm saying is like that aspect of this idea makes me very uncomfortable, and that's what I, one of the things I mean when I say this streaming future is the future of gaming thing. It has nothing to do with what's good for us. I agree with that, yeah. I mean, honest, I wouldn't and say that. And that should make us very skeptical. I would, again, we I would shouldn't just reject it outright, but we should be very skeptical about what Google's trying to sell us here. Yeah, I no, I agree. And I think that is, to me, the most legitimate criticism slash concern around Stadia is Google's track record. Also, Stadia's plural. I feel weird calling a singular thing a plural. Because it's not a singular thing. It's all these other people and connections and nodes all coming together into one platform. At least I mean, that's okay. what I thought it was. But, like... You know how they name products. I know. It's, dumb. Like it's, it's just like you got to have the right vowels, and it's got to sound like kind of made up, but not made up. Yeah, I don't mind the name of it. I think it's fine. I just think it's Stadia. But right. it makes me think that I'm sitting in a big arena with I a mean, bunch of other people. It makes me think that, like, I don't know. <laughs> it makes me think of a bunch. It makes me think of how screwed local communities get when they're forced to use tax money to build stadiums. That's what it makes me think of, actually. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have a lot of good associations with stadiums. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, uh, good for the individual. Um, I think people have overreacted to this. I think people are. I think it's human nature to be resistant to change, and I think people are seeing this as like the biggest change ever. And some of them have tried PlayStation Now or tried Gaikai or whatever, and maybe they weren't happy with it, and so they're assuming that this is going to be the same way. All fair, all valid, um, but. I think you gotta at some point you gotta give new ideas a chance. I gave this new idea a chance, and I think it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> you I'm haven't not, even tried I, it. You haven't given it. I a chance. tried PlayStation Now. I tried online. You have I not understand tried Stadia. I don't care. It doesn't do anything I care about. Do, you don't, I don't know that. Of course, you're I shutting do. your mind down before you no, even I'm give not. it a chance. No, I'm not. I don't have any use for a streaming game service because everything they've shown and everything they're gonna show until they get to their exclusive in-house stuff is something I can play on any of the other platforms I own. I Can you play them in 8K? I will be able to, yeah. Because I'm going to actually build that PC because that's more important to me than saving <laughs> like 20 bucks a month on whatever this shit is. Like, I would rather have control of that. I realize I am not the universal use case in that regard. Yeah. But, like, I also don't have anything that can display in 8K so right, right now. Yeah. It means I have to buy another $4,000 TV. Yeah. So, where, you know, I don't want to spend 300 bucks on a game console, but I'm going to buy a five grand TV to play in 8K. Okay. Again, that's, Upgrade my, that's my thing to Google that's Fiber. Like, like that's seven 10 years, years out. Again, again, I think you're falling in the same trap a lot of other people are. They're, they're thinking... What is this going to be like next month? I'm not falling into that's any That's not tra- what this is about. No, I'm not this falling is, into any again, trap. like the future. It's not It's not the tomorrow. future. It's the future because they're telling us it is. It doesn't have to be the future because it's not consumer friendly. It doesn't have to be that. We only have to be that if we I think some it. people would say it's very consumer friendly. It's well, like, those people are wrong. But they're but it depends. If if you're a consumer that cares about usability and access, it's very user friendly. Until that access is taken away, friendly. until the access 
the access that you don't have sabotage is what you're trying to play but you're until paying, your internet goes down and you can't play anything because nothing so works without much it. Less for everything. You don't have to buy hardware. You're not spending sixty dollars every time you buy a game. I would rather have a Game Pass style service for that. Okay, where you still can download stuff. Download the thing. Or, or, I mean, the rumor is that Microsoft's streaming solution does, in fact, install stuff smartly to the hard drive to run it locally as it's needed. Parts of it Which locally. I think is the most useful idea of this. Well, tech. Microsoft I mean, seems I can't pretty confident begin to after this was announced. So right. I can't begin like to understand something. how that would work. Me either. But way but smarter people than me are working on that, <laughs> yeah, and have been for years. Yeah. So Microsoft's idea where you basically sort of have a constant local install that is updated as you need it to be, but you're still running stuff natively on your home hardware, that is to me the most useful idea here. But at the same time, um, like why wouldn't, if I have the bandwidth to stream something like that why wouldn't i just subscribe to game pass and download the whole thing in like 15 minutes and play it that way yeah. like i that's why i mean by solution in search of a problem if you have the the hardware and the tech and the internet connection to run something like this you also have the a way to do it that's a lot more consumer control friendly uh and like i'm not resistant to change and to like movement to new things and all that stuff i mean i embrace digital you know, when people are like, no, I need to have it on a disc. I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm, to I'm totally into digitals. I buy, almost, I buy probably 80 to 90% of my stuff digital at this point in this generation. Yeah. I'm not against that at all. Uh, if, if the change is, 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 uh, is beneficial to me or beneficial in, like, to the consumer in general, I totally understand. I'm totally into it. I don't see where that comes in here outside of very specific. You know, people can come up with these very specific use cases where someone doesn't have a ton of money but does pay for a 500 megabit download connection every month, but doesn't want to own a console, but does want to play super high-end video games, so they get so they get at Stadia. And I, I'm sure that person is out there, but like, is there enough of them to subscribe for nine to fifteen dollars a month to pay the fees that Google's going to have to pay to all these developers to make it worth their while to put it on this platform? That's a good. That's a question that I, I think we're going to. That is the see. billion dollar question. Almost literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally the billion dollar question. Uh, I think we just, we just need to know way more about how this thing, where the rubber meets the road. On well, this I think thing. we we both need to try it first of all. I think that's a big thing. Both of us will have a better idea once we actually put it in our hands and give Somewhat, it a whirl. But I I continually remember when I tried PlayStation Now at e, at an E3 that the, it was the Judges Week thing, mm -hmm. and it played really well. I was like, oh, that's impressive. And then I played it at home and it fucking sucked yeah. like 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 you know it matters where you play it how you play it and what oh, you're look, doing these were ideal conditions yeah. for google home court and they that, can set up the infrastructure however they want they can and, control and that everything. cursor on the assassin's creed odyssey menu screen still moved like a slug yeah. so i i'm i you know like i'll put all the reports of this other than how much bandwidth it was taking were glowing when they had they put out the demo of assassin's creed odyssey months ago Everybody that used it was like, holy crap. Well, it's impressive that it can work at all, but that doesn't mean it works well enough for me to say, like, I'd rather play it like this than not have it installed on local hardware. Like, yeah. that's, that, there's nothing about this that makes me think that it's better than doing that. And I realize that there's a point at which you're like, oh, if you can run it in 8K, da, 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 da. yeah, but you know what? That's in, like, 2024. So until then, I'm going to go. I think that's what this play is, though. By that point, I'm I think still... that's what everyone's missing. This isn't, like... Coming out like this year to to blow everyone away. This is I think this is a long play by Google. It's them 
finally getting into the, into the industry, and I think they're trying to find a way to future-proof their technology so they don't have to do what the other guys have been doing, which is put out a new piece of hardware mm -hmm. every five years. Yeah. It's this treadmill that you get on, and it just never ends. And it's big risk because you're manufacturing something that people have to buy, and you have to get shelf space for it. You have to negotiate all those partnerships with retail. You don't have to do any of that with this. It's like all you have to do is just market it and make sure it works. I think the only, I mean, I do think that one element of this that uh, maybe hasn't been discussed too much is like this is a really good, you know, this, this model they're going for here. This is a pretty good incentive for the other hardware manufacturers to finally go full digital. Yeah. Because if this doesn't flop, is a, you know, this is just another step towards cutting the retail brick and mortar out of the of the equation. Well, I don't know if you heard this week, but Sony's stopped selling game codes to yeah, the GameStop. Yeah, I saw that. The individual getting, game cards. It's getting dirty yeah. out there, yeah. But you can still buy the, the Just the points money cards. Yeah, cards. you just can't yeah. buy like, hey, I want to buy Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Can I yeah. get the card for that? Yeah, you can't do that anymore, which... That's interesting. It is interesting. Um, I, I wonder what, I mean, I wonder what the... The end game Thinking is for that. that is. I think we'll find out when we hear about the PlayStation 5. That's my guess. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, I'm certainly more optimistic about this than you are. I think that's safe to say. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not optimistic in terms of its chances for success. It could be. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't always know the zeitgeist off the top of my head. But I do know that if it is successful, that'll be a shame. Because we are, you know, as an as a industry, we'll be, we will be embracing something that is very much not in the consumer's best interest. Um, and I buy all physical, by the way. And uh, <laughs> I buy all my games physical. <laughs> I don't buy anything digital. And it won't be the I first I absolutely time, like to collect games and have something in my hand after I pay for it. Um, so even in that regard, I've, I've fought progress, if that's what you want to call it, in mm -hmm. that regard. But I can just see the opportunities for this. And I think some of the stuff that intrigued me more was sort of the interactivity um, you don't need strategy guides anymore because you have Google Assistant that's integrated into it and all the stuff that they're doing with streamers. And let's be honest, like that's where <coughs> it's all going for them to do something that can enhance the experience of people watching other people play games. That's a pretty big deal. Now, is six years from now, are Let's Play still going to be a big thing? I don't know. Who knows? Do you? Uh, people could burn out on that eventually. I don't know. Do but you think Amazon reacts to this? I think it's, no. I think if it's going to react to it, it's already been reacting behind the scenes. If it, right. it, It's not like, oh my God, Google did this. Now let's get an announcement out there. No. If they do something like that, they've been working on it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised if Amazon has been working on something like this for a long time. Um, Amazon may have got sent back to the drawing board after last week, after it saw what Google was working on. But yeah, it's not going to just pull it out of its butt and be like, oh, well, Google's doing that. Well, we got this and we haven't really done anything for it yet. That's... Just not oh, no, the way. but I mean, like, you know, all these companies have endless things quietly behind closed yeah. doors they're working on. Yep. Could this finally, could this force Amazon's hand on whatever they're working on in this Yeah, it's possible. Realm? I mean, like you said, AWS is just... Right. I mean, my thought was more like if the, if the, uh, the Let's Play, the, the live stream thing um, strikes Amazon as like, that's the thing, you know, Amazon owns Twitch. All right. So, like, you got you to gotta keep up. Yeah, or it could be a case where they try to lock Google out. Yeah. I mean, it could look mm. at Google's API and figure out how it hooks into Twitch and live streams, but, you know, 
Well, they it has I mean, YouTube, the, obviously. The idea is live stream on YouTube, which, right. by the way, it sucks. I know. But, like, which I tried. Is why I, I don't think it'll stay on YouTube. I think right. you're going to have to figure it out on Twitch. Well, I tried to watch the Sony thing on YouTube today, and it just it just it crashed every five seconds. Really? I, I had to put it up on PlayStation. Eventually. Weird. That's strange. Like, it was terrible. It yeah. would not run in either browser. I don't, I, know, look, I don't know what the deal was. In closing, I, I think there's some really cool ideas here. And. Well, I agree with you. I will always own a console as long as they make them until they stop making them. I will always buy them and I will always own them and I will always play first party games on native hardware. I do see an opportunity for me personally to enjoy Stadia. And I certainly see opportunities for people who are far more casual than me to enjoy it. Um, it doesn't surprise me that you're not particularly excited by it. It doesn't surprise me that a lot of the core gamers aren't excited by it. I think they... They were put in a weird position where they had to debut it to this audience, but probably knew it wasn't the best idea because we're hypercritical and they knew we were going to dig into it. But you have to de debut it at GDC if you want to get developers on board. Mm -hmm. And you also have to debut it to us, let's be honest, because and it's also that's not... the only way that information is going to get spread big enough. Even if we hate it, we're going to talk about well, it's it. It's also the, you know, there's a precedent for putting these thing, this kind of thing out at GDC for the first thing. It's like, like the Xbox, yeah. you know? The original Xbox, Microsoft did not expect it to set the world on fire. You know, like yeah. the, the whole thing was like, we need to control this space. Yep. We're going to spend some money, and the next system is going to be the. You know, and sure enough, and the 360 right. was yeah. the next. Yeah. Now, obviously, the model is different because there is no next system on yeah. this. But like, um, I think there's precedent to say that the, that using GDC as a starting point for this sort of like new entry into the industry. Uh, it's a know, smart one. It's yeah. It's 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 where you got to start, really. Yeah. Um, at the very least, it starts the conversation among the right people. I think there. I don't mean us. I mean people at GDC. The developers are the ones that have to get on board with yeah. with supporting your new platform. And they were smart to to hire Phil Harrison and all the other people that they Harrison's hired. Harrison's a good pick. Jade, people, Jade is a great pick. Because people see him and they're like, I know them. I yeah. like them. I liked what they did before. That's honestly like the the one thing that that you know. That, yeah, that scra scratches in the back of my mind as I look at this, and I'm just like, I don't see it, I don't get it, I don't want it. I don't, the one but thing then I could why did it, they sign on? Yeah, why? Why did Jade Raymond say yes if there yeah. wasn't something here? And you know, she had plenty of opportunities to choose from yeah. a plethora oh, of yeah. positions. So, and she picked this for some reason. So she must know something. There must be something about it. That I mean, she's not any kind of naive or, or inexperienced person when it comes to this. Right. She is a hardcore gamer. She knows her stuff. And if there's something, there's something in there that she sees as maybe it's just the unlimited resources of Google to make That's a couple possible. of games, a couple <laughs> games she's always wanted to make. Yeah, that could be a it's thing. Possible. But Absolutely. like she's she's you know running this thing and you know her reputation's on the line when it comes down to how this thing ends up performing. And she must see something that that is worthwhile in there. So that's kind of my one bright spot is like. If she's in, if Phil Harrison's in, there must be something there. I mean, less Phil Harrison because Phil Harrison, you know, does his, does, I, does had, his exact thing. Yeah. And, and it doesn't really matter where you are when you're in that position. You're just running the company. I remember back in the day I interviewed him. I think it was at GDC, actually. And it was right after we started seeing real footage of PlayStation 3 games. We saw what mm. Killzone really looked like. And uh, what was the one, the game that had, like, the mud, the racing game? Oh, MotorStorm. MotorStorm, yeah. And we had seen what those games really looked like, and I just laid into him. I didn't lay into him. Mm -hmm. I just put the ball on the tee. And yeah, I was like, we, so. We did something similar. It was at GDC. Yeah, I think like, it was. Yeah. And like, we had something. I don't remember if we were before you or after you, but he, he, he had had mad. enough. Oh, he yeah, he was mad. I made him like, angry. I, I, I wonder if I could dig up that interview. But one thing I will say is. And it's is, scary to make him mad because he's very large. 
He's, he's large and he's also very measured. Yeah, it's and, intense. And I got him to crack because I was he knew I was right. He tried to stand there and say that the games looked the same or better than what they showed when they debuted the PlayStation oh, 3. Oh, boy. Yeah, And he, kn- he knew it was total yeah. crap. He knew it was crap. I'm like, so where's the mud and the environmental stuff in MotorStorm? He's like, it's there. I'm like, no, it's not, no. dude. Like, anyway, maybe somebody could dig that up on YouTube. I've tried to find it before, but it was one of my legendary interviews I did with Phil Harrison. Back when I used to do interviews, I did not pull punches. I felt like it was my duty to ask the hard questions. It doesn't seem like that happens anymore. It was a different time. It was a different time, absolutely. Now I think that, you know, with all the influencers and everything, I think they'd just, like, they'd have a heart attack if someone asked them a hard question at this (laughs) point. So So anyway, I I would just suggest keep an open mind. And I would also say that don't look at Stadia as if it's, like, coming out next month and it's going to suck or whatever. I think this is a long-term play for Google. What? They said this year. It's coming out this year, this fall, I think it is. So it will be released, but... I think you have to kind of recalibrate how you look at platforms when you start talking about this stuff. You can't really say, okay, this is how the PlayStation 4 was, so this is how Stadia should be. It changes everything in how you deal with your business. And I think one issue that they are going to have is when you're running PlayStation or Xbox or Nintendo, as interest starts to wane, you always know you have that new thing coming to get interest back into it and get people excited again. When you have a platform that's flat and is just there forever, how do you do that? Well, if you're going to go that far with the Netflix model, you, you know, what, what makes people content. excited about Netflix? Netflix original content. content yeah. you know, Again, you, content. Is and that, that's what they're going to mean. That is pr- basically what Jade's job is, is yeah. to make sure that internally they are pulling out stuff that constantly keeps you interested. And like that's, it's a, it's a lot of responsibility, problem. it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of money to spend for Google. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at how often new stuff pops up on Netflix and that, you know, and, and not everything hits, not everything, you know, but, you know, we, you're talking about Bird Box, and then suddenly you're talking about uh, um, uh, the Ted Bundy tapes, and then you're talking about the disappearance of Madeline McCann, and then Stranger Things has their new trail. You know, that's the thing that keeps people talking about Netflix and getting engaged in, with Netflix is just this constant flood of, of stuff you can only get on Netflix. Yep. And um, that is basically where this is going to live or die, is, is the stuff you can only get there. I do not want Jade's job. <laughs> no, right I, I, do, I do not envy her, but at the same time, I know yeah. she like loves an impossible challenge, yeah. so it's probably she's right, right there in her element. They, it's a good hire. Yeah, absolutely, it's absolutely. a good hire. Um, and it makes it's an even more sensible hire now that we know what this is because I mean it, we are talking about someone who helped build Assassin's Creed technology from nothing. I know. From yeah, scratch, it took them seven years, and they're basically like, "Can we do this?" Like that was the big question. It was like, "Can this even be done?" And in yeah. the end, they did it. Um, She's so a perfect hire precedent. because she has the chops, but she also hasn't done that job already for like ten yeah. years at Sony or Microsoft or wherever. She's gonna come in with a fire. She knows it's all on her, so it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but I'm certainly more excited, I think, than most core gamers for this. It would never be, like, my only platform. And I don't think even Google believes that that'll be the case for most people. But I would have no problem replacing my PC with Stadia. I that's just the wouldn't. Th- but that's the interesting thing. Is like, like That seems to be sort of the use case that makes the most sense, but it's absolutely not how they positioned it. Yeah, you're right. They positioned it as a console competitor... Period. No, you're right. Like they didn't even mention PCs. That's why there are things called pivots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're, we're already be what they call the next one. <laughs> they might call it the, the Google piv- Pivot, the Pivotia, or whatever the, the hell. Yeah, what's the Latin plural for pivot? <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got to get going. We got tons of more stuff to get to. So 
Obviously, the Stadia reveal happened at GDC, but it was a big enough story to talk about itself. But we want to talk about GDC in general, uh, a roundup of the show. 29,000 people this year, um, already scheduled for next year for pretty much the same 29,000 people week. were at the rock show. Yeah. Yes. Which is typical for GDC. Yeah, that's, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, it's about what Moscone holds. Yep. So. Um, what were your takeaways from GDC other than Stadia? Mm. We got some really good game announcements. Yeah, um, big ones. Sequels to some classic stuff I never thought I'd see come back. I, yep. I was pretty pleased. Yep, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Did not see this one coming, <laughs> especially not from most of the same people. Yeah. Um, Bloodlines is a great, great uh, RPG. And a lot of people that are watching this probably don't even know. No, it's, it's not a tremendously well-known. It was only on PC. Uh, it is on uh, GOG. Yeah. Uh, if you get, it's on GOG and Steam, but if you buy it on GOG, it comes with the unofficial fan patch already pre-installed, which makes it way better yeah. and more playable. Um, it's a great RPG in kind of the traditional sort of like, it's sort of like what Deus Ex is trying to do now. Yeah. It's from that tradition, um, I guess some people would, would call it an immersive sim, but I hate that term. Um, but it's crazy in in one of those things where like you play you pick from the based on the old vampire the masquerade pen and paper role playing game, but you pick your clan and your clan chain you know like like if you know stuff about uh, vampire you know that like there's a clan called the Nosferatu which are like monsters or like sewer dwelling chud monsters, you can pick that as your character and you actually have to like use the sewers or people, or, life, or people yeah. will just scream when you run yeah. through the streets because there's a monster in the street yeah. like it changes the game completely you can play a Mal Malkavian who's like a, who's a crazy person. Uh, and like you have to communicate through people in crazy rant. It's, like, yeah. it's, it's like the way it changes the game based on who, what you pick, how you design your character, and how you want to play. It's really, your unlike any it's other incredible. Game. Yeah. It's an incredible piece of work. Do you think um, that they'll have those tenants in this yes, one? They kind of have to, don't that's they? What, they did several interviews, and they straight up said, like, yes, that's a big deal uh, for them. They're going to keep that in there. Uh, they are apparently going to, uh, they want to address the kind of the mental illness idea a little more gently because, you know, it's a different time. It's 15 yeah. years ago. You can't really just yeah. be like, he is crazy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you, can't, you can't do that anymore. So, like you have to kind of treat that in a more gentle respect. Uh, I believe it sounds like they, they, yeah, you're going to be able to pick your pronouns. Yeah. Based on your, you know, they might be the first game where they actually voice alternate pronouns for your characters. Yeah. They basically are being, for a game about monsters that suck your blood and 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 murder you, uh, they are being shockingly inclusive and and <laughs> and, and thoughtful about yeah. what they're doing here. Uh, so I'm I'm in favor of that. Um, I'm in favor of like kind of bringing back the sort of complex RPG that leans that, that you know changes itself based on your your choices in a in a meaningful way as opposed to sort of. You know, frivolous way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we, we've played kind of the Mass Effect sort of thing. Where, you know, I love Mass Effect, don't get me wrong, huge Mass Effect fan. But, like, you still end up at the same end point, more or less. Whereas, yeah. like, Bloodlines was like, you could change stuff Drastic. drastically and permanently if you made one poor or hasty decision. Um, obviously, you can save your scum your way out of that stuff. But, like, there's really not much else like it. Uh, and then still isn't still to this yeah, day. At this point, uh, I highly recommend if you've never played it before to get it on GOG with that unofficial fan patch included and play through it and see what it's all about because it's it's the best reason to be excited about the second one is because of the first you one. Play the first and one. it's a lot of the same people making the second one, so that's also excellent. Yep. Uh, next up, System Shock Three. Got the first yeah. teaser trailer for that. Big fan of System Shock uh, One and Two. In fact, the System Shock 3's announcement caused the remake of System Shock 1 to put more footage out, which yeah. is also great. <laughs> it is great. Um, I'm, you know, 
I may be a little more hesitant about this one because System Shock 2 is kind of a masterpiece. Um, and I would worry about sort of repeating, you know, because repeat, I've already seen Shodan again there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't really do it without Shodan, but like at the same time, it's like, are you going to be able to top what 2 did? I don't know. But Warren Spector's involved, so uh, it's, uh, I'm, let's say, cautiously optimistic, but also happy that System Shock is back in any form because, like, there's, a, you know, the sort of the pedigree that Bioshock comes out of in a very rough sense. Uh, and kind of, you know, the opportunity to go back and kind of bring that back and do it again with modern tech, even if it's just that, could be worthwhile all by itself. Yeah. Uh, very short trailer they released. Yeah, not Literally a lot to Literally 15 it. seconds. Of Long money. way out, it yeah. sounds like. Whereas, like, Vampires, I think it was, they said March next year. Yeah. So, like, exactly a year from re uh, announcement to release, that's pretty good. System, System Shock, Shock 3 feels like it's a little earlier. 2021. And, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be playing Cyberpunk 2077 before you play System Shock 3. Or right around like, the same time. Or it could be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Warren Spector isn't known to take short time developing games either. No. Only when he was working for Disney did he hit his targets. Oh, Disney, yeah, you, you hit your But the Deus Ex games, they were delayed over and over and over again before they ever finally came out. So, yeah, if Warren Spector said next year, I would believe earliest the year after that. Yeah, I would, I would feel like we're, we might slide into this, the whole just-in-time-for-end-of-fiscal, you know, Q1 2021 yeah. sort of thing. Uh, next up, Oculus Rift S. The sequel to Oculus Rift. Mm -hmm. They're finally saying, okay, this is the official sequel to Oculus. Um, no sensors needed. Mm -hmm. The sensors are on the helmet. So you don't need cameras set up like you need with PlayStation VR. You don't need like all these sensors put in the corner of your room mm -hmm. for room scale stuff. It's all self-contained on that helmet. Do you think that that makes a big difference and moves the needle at all? I think it does. Yeah. Um, I think the more and more they can get to the point, wow, that was weird. Uh, the more, the closer and closer they can get to the idea of like, all you need to do to play a VR game is you pick up the goggles and you put them on and you're in. Like that's, that's the, the goal. Like you will not, I don't think you will get mainstream penetration until it is that simple. Um, until you do not have to drill holes in your wall to put the lighthouses up, until yeah. you don't have to set up the camera just right, until you can't move around, until you have to stand and like calibrate the thing. As, to, when it's to the point where you can just walk in, pick the thing up, because that's the reason I don't play a lot of VR stuff still to this day. It's a thing. because of the setup. It's a thing. Yeah. You have to like set it if up. If all I need to do is, t is take this, this set of goggles and I go over to like, you know, a, a slightly open space uh, in my house and put them on and start to play, I would play a lot more VR. So I think that is, uh, I think it is, a, I mean, will this be the thing that sets fire to the VR thing and makes it a main, probably not. It's 399 like, which is reasonable. It's a decent price for what it, you know, you're, you're in console territory at that point. And yep. it is self-contained, so you don't need a PC in addition or whatever, you know. Um, it's a great, it's a great step. It's a big step. I mean, will it be the thing that does it? I don't know about that. But yes, I think this is, you know, we're seeing VR tech go further and further, further in that direction. Uh, although part of it makes part of stuff like this makes me think like, God, I kind of hope PlayStation VR two is its own self-contained unit too, because PlayStation is putting out the stuff in VR that I really want to play. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I never would have guessed that was going to be the case, but that's how it's working out. Have you checked out that game, uh, Boneworks? No. The most amazing VR game I've ever seen, hands down, mind-blowing stuff. Uh, they just put out like a 15-minute demo with this YouTube channel called Node that basically went in with them and just played the game for like an entire day and then they cut down the selects into like a 15-minute segment. 
It is amazing. Uh, it's on Sifted right now. Just search for it. Use the search engine. It's like a 15-minute demo. It's mind-blowing. What's it like, called? It's called Boneworks. Boneworks. And it's a first-person shooter, but it tracks every mm. finger. You, you can go. Oh like, yeah, I heard about. You can that. go like yeah. this, and your character goes like that. You can flip the bird. You can <laughs> give fucking devil horn. Like what? It does everything. You can pull, pick up a gun off a table, and it, mm. and you pick it up, and you actually like load it, and everything tracks like one. Do it's right, mind blowing. Also, Check it out. the other the other good thing about VR, you're never gonna be able to adapt that to streaming. Nope, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk about nausea machine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, believe me, I know that better add, than add, anyone. Add another second of lag yeah. to when you move your head. <laughs> <laughs> it just instant barf. <laughs> just instant projectile vomiting out of my mouth. Uh, next up, Oddworld Soulstorm. They showed another trailer for this. Still have not shown a single second of in-engine footage. I keep forgetting this is a thing. Yeah, because it, it literally the last trailer we got for this was like a year ago. Now we get another one. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have a new chair. Oh, it's just a cinematic pre-rendered yeah. CG thing again. Um, Do you care about Oddworld? I don't. Is that, is that I was going to ask like, you that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. I, I, does, does anyone care about Oddworld in 2019? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I, I always found it a little weird and off-putting. Um, I think my favorite one was actually Stranger's Wrath. Oh, weird. Um, the, that's that's not typical. The shoot, you know, the shooter yeah. with the guy with, the, you know, that was because I don't find these guys to be particularly appealing compelling me or either. Interesting. Nope, I never have. I never have. Even back on the original PlayStation One, like a bunch of my friends got it. I'm like, I have no interest. The in firing that. sentient bullets out of a gun, yeah. out of a, out of a crossbow as they scream toward the yeah, that was more interesting to me. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, I also I still wouldn't call Strangers Wrath a great game by any no, stretch, uh -uh. but that was the one in the series that appealed to me the most. Yeah, this whole universe. Whatever that's worth. This whole universe just doesn't really do much for me. I know it. It's, they still do have some fans. Uh, they haven't really made a great game. I don't know if ever in this franchise. Nah. Good, but not really great. I mean, I think the the original one was pretty good for its day. I think people thought it was great back then. It was a different time. It was, yeah. you know, it was a kind of that <laughs> kind of that world of like it was sort of a, a successor or, or or pedigree of like kind of out of this world and flashback and stuff like yeah. that. Was like, but games like that don't really exist anymore, at least not in the sense of the idea that Odd World Abe's Odyssey was actually kind of a big hype thing at the time. That's weird. It's mind blowing it's to me. Yeah. It was a different. World. <laughs> it really was a different world. Uh, let's see, next up, and this one I kind of threw in for GDC, although people could argue that it really wasn't related to GDC, and that is Persona 5 The Royal. Mm -hmm. uh, the sequel to Persona 5 just announced out of nowhere on Saturday. Well, it's an update of Persona 5. No, they're saying it's the sequel to Persona sequel? 5. sequel? Yeah. Yeah, it's not like an expansion. Like, if you own Persona 5, you can't buy this for, like, 10 bucks. It's a full, brand new release hmm. that has, obviously, a brand new character in it. And I'm sure that all the characters from Persona 5 are going to be in it as well, because otherwise they call it Persona 6. But So it's more of a Fez thing. Yeah. I mean, Atlas is saying this is the sequel to Persona 5. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I honestly didn't pay Still a, lot. a PlayStation 4 exclusive, I should add. Yeah, uh, which probably indicates that, a, that vanilla plays that uh, Persona 5 will come to the Switch at some point. That's, that's what I thought, too. Because yeah. um, otherwise, why is he in Smash Brothers? Right. And they're going to throw Sony a bone, and they're going to be like, okay, well, we're going to yeah. release it for Switch, but we're going to give you the next game exclusive as well. For now. For now, yeah. For I mean, it's been, what, two years since Persona 5 came out? Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me that's if, good if enough Royal ended up on Switch, you know, in a year or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, me either. But um, maybe, I don't know, man, I... It, Persona 5 was so long. 
play like 100 hours to finish that. And like, I don't know if I want to go back into that. That's the most time I've spent playing a game probably in the last, I don't know, 10 years. Hmm. Something like that. As far as other than like a multiplayer shooter. I liked it, but it's like one of those, it's like the division where it's like, I'm, do I I'm need, good. Do I need to do more? Of that? <laughs> There's a reason these come out every like five <laughs> years. Yeah, because they're so gigantic and they just take over your life. So uh, that was. I that, guess it really depends when it comes out. You yeah. know, if it comes out at the right time when nothing else is around it, what else? You know, if it was coming out next month, I'd probably yeah, play the hell out yeah. of it. April would be, <laughs> April's not April's looking a good, too good time hard. for Persona. <laughs> I'm going to be able to catch up on a lot of stuff in April, that's for sure. Um, and let's see, finally, the last thing that was showed that it kind of caught my eye was a game called The Cycle. It's from the team behind Spec Ops The Line. They've kind of reformed mm. and started working on a new project that looks absolutely nothing like Spec Ops The Line. Yeah, it's, that doesn't look a whole lot like, uh, I bet that character is not voiced by uh, <laughs> Nolan North. <laughs> well, who knows? Oh, maybe he is. Yeah, he probably is. <laughs> I mean, it is a shooter like Spec Ops The Line, but it, as you can see, it's a little more lighthearted, a little more airy. Um, you're not going to have to make these life or death decisions that'll keep you from sleeping for the next three days, like um, Spec Ops The that, Line. That did. we know of. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's probably a point where you have to decide if you should like make all rabbits go extinct or something. <laughs> like, that would be a tough call. You have to watch them all die simultaneously on screens. <laughs> Every screen is a different sad rabbit dying. Uh, but this was kind of the other game that made some waves. It was announced at uh, GDC. Uh, World War Z also was getting a lot of press because they finally let the press play it. Mm. So a bunch of gameplay went up for that. There was like a horde mode uh, gameplay thing that GameSpot published that was like mind-blowing. Have you seen it? No. So the horde mode, at least what they, the, the one that they have footage of, is like a stadium. And literally, just like the movie World War Z, you're at the top of this, and you just see literally thousands of... Or are they called Freakers in that game? I don't even know. There's so many names for zombies now. Freakers in are days gone. Yeah, Freakers are days gone. Whatever the zombies are called in World War Z, there's just literally thousands of them just pouring Infected, over the wall. Probably. Maybe. Um, but it looked pretty fun. Uh, who knows? The game does not look that great in general, but it uh, that mode in particular. I am fun. real over the zombie thing at this point. Yeah. It's not hard. <laughs> I will say this, though. The episode of The Walking Dead last night was crazy crazy it was like uh it was the walking dead's red wedding last night mm. the episode where just tons of people died that you never would have guessed would be chosen to be killed off just in the blink of an eye like, you know, people gotta have careers yeah you know, they, got, they gotta <laughs> go so. they gotta go move on uh otherwise what were your impressions of gdc a good one bad one it was pretty good i mean it had more to to see and talk about than like your average gdc yeah. like, a lot of gdc's go by with pretty much nothing but a couple interesting panels and, and a tech demo yeah. for nvidia or whatever yeah that stuff was kind of toned down this year actually yeah because we're reaching the end of the cycle and uh i think when we start talking about more seriously about playstation 5 and xbox 2 i think next gdc that's when you're going to see kind of the tech demos kind of step mm -hmm. up again um but yeah, I thought as far as like announcements go, this was like the biggest GDC ever. Like, yeah, it had a lot more meat on it for yeah. You know, if you weren't attending, you were just sort of interested as a as a fan of the hobby. There was a lot more to, to you know. It's not yeah, it's completely ignoring just the stadium. number of announcements there right. of like major sequels is like well, that's unusual. Yeah, if you completely even ignore Stadia and all the other stuff, just the games that were announced there was bigger than yeah. most GDCs. So uh, I think it was a really good show. And they're good, good choices to announce there because like, they're games that could get lost in the E3 shuffle. Yep, so. absolutely. So there you go. That's Especially with no Sony to highlight them. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, third parties are probably scrambling right now. Yeah. They're like, Microsoft, 
It can just pick and choose what it wants. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, it can. It has the pick of the entire litter for what it wants in its press conference. Yeah, it's crazy that Sony would leave that door open, but it has. So, all right, that's GDC 2019. We're going to talk next about something that maybe should have been at GDC 2019. Yeah, but that's not how they roll. No, <laughs> that's Apple Arcade. Uh, Apple had its big services press event today uh, up in Cupertino. Uh, it announced a bunch of stuff today, like an Apple credit card and like all this crazy mm, Apple stuff. Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus oh, yeah. and like all these, again, content is king, a bunch of original content stuff for, for Apple TV. But most pertinent to us is it announced its gaming initiative, although after learning about it, I'm not so sure how much of an initiative it is, uh, but Apple Arcade is its new gaming initiative. It is not, I've seen people online saying it's a game streaming service. I didn't get no. that from the presentation at all. It's a game streaming service. You wouldn't be able to play it offline, yeah. which you can. Yeah, so. you can play it offline without without Wi-Fi, without any yeah, sort I think, of I wireless it's game, connection. It's a game subscription service. Yeah, that's what I thought streaming. it was, too. But people have been reporting everywhere it's game stream. I think people are just extrapolating that out. It might be an, might be an option. On, <laughs> maybe. But. It might be. But it's a service from Apple, and it's actually just... <coughs> It's not even like its own app. It's like a tab inside the app store. Yeah, it's it's like a it's a new functionality of Apple products basically. Yeah. It's pretty pretty interesting the way they're choosing yeah. to roll it out. It's also interesting in the sense that you know Apple has been resistant to gaming for very long time, you know. Other than making a crap ton of money off of it. Well, in the App Store, yeah, but <laughs> they're like, not resistant to take the money. But remember they they Apple did not care about gaming for Decades, yeah. literal decades, until the App Store took off and they realized that the money was in the games. Yeah. Not because originally the App Store, you know, this was when Steve Jobs was still in charge of things. I know, multi, I grew up there. I know multiple people who worked there at the time. And the whole thing about the App Store was like they wanted the App Store to be like a professional app locate. Like you wanted, like that was where business stuff right. was there, yeah, like, yeah. and like productivity and it, yeah. and like when, and when they realized like oh all the like most like half or more of the revenue is coming from games, like. They didn't like that, yeah. And they ended up having to embrace it because that's where the cash was. But like, and Apple, they trotted out Miyamoto. Apple stuff. jumping into something like this is like, like, what a shift, even from ten years ago. Yeah, it's impressive. But they said at the beginning of this presentation that literally, like, they make all their money on games, yep. like all of it. Um, so it is a game subscription service. It's for paid games only. So mm -hmm. a big question was, okay, well, wait, these games are free already. That's not going to be the case. The games on Apple Arcade are going to be games that you would have to pay for normally, not free-to-play stuff. So yeah, you can see that there's, they're more robust than yeah. some, like just your standard free-to-play App Store crap. Yeah, you're not going to see ads or anything like that when you're using the service. Um, at launch, they're saying there's going to be over 100 exclusive games. That seems crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot. Holy cow. We only highlighted about six. Right. But like, so you got 94 more to go, bro, and it launches in like five months. I'm not so sure about that. It's coming out in fall of this year. I'm more or less sure about the quality of the 96 remaining games. You know? I'm pretty concerned about the quality of the first four. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they look okay. They just look like indie games, though. Yeah. Um, no yeah. pricing announced yet, so they have not announced what the monthly price. I'm guessing ten dollars. That's my Maybe. guess. I, the thing I don't get about like the you know I know like I said before like how in Silicon Valley everything has to be the most revolutionary, amazing thing you've ever seen. It can't just be like, hey, this is cool. The video for this, if you haven't watched it with the sound, the video here where they're showing, not this part, but like the, where they kind of run down all the developers and they do like interviews with Sakaguchi and, and, uh, and that woman who made the van game and all that stuff. 
Um, it's fast. There's a Sonic, Sonic game. game. That's it's a pretty a, big deal. It's fascinating to me because like like they're talking. It's like they constantly say stuff like. This game wouldn't exist without Apple Arcade. There's no way this game. It's like, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, that's a bunch of crap. Like yeah. all this looks like something that I could easily find in like the PAX indie booth somewhere, yeah. or like, like Devolver Digital would publish any of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's like, like the, the idea yeah. that maybe, it's actually not edgy enough for Devolver. Maybe not Sakaguchi's game where he's building literal physical <laughs> dioramas and photographing them to put the. Why? Uh, like I know it looks kind of cool, but it's like, is anyone gonna be? It's like that's not gonna help you. And he even says like, I'm scared because I now I'm worried about how many dioramas we have to make because of how big the game is. I'm like, well, yeah, who, man, whose fault is that? Like, <laughs> did you know we have CG now? Did you know we can do 3D environments? <laughs> he may not know that actually. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, any other notes? Uh, royalties. So we were talking earlier about how. Developers will get paid for content, and it's based upon how long people play your games. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because, like, you're that means you're either looking at really long epic things, which is, seems to be what Sakaguchi is trying to make, or like, like the I can't, I wish I could remember her name. I can't. But the her woman, multiplayer stuff. The woman who made the van thing. Yeah. Talks about um, how uh, every time you play it, it'll be different. Every time you 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 know you don't know who you're gonna, which to me says it's gonna be like a, a procedural sort of. Uh, um, um, but the, the I, I lost the name of the game, the name of the genre, roguelike, oh. um, that kind of thing. The idea of that being, it's a game you can basically play forever. You know, so you want people because every time you boot it up, it's different. Yeah, every yeah. time you do it is different. I, I presume, like you know, that's that's the idea. Is like it's something you can play over and over and over and over again. Because again, if you're if if you're a game little indie game maker and you're making like a three hour narrative game, you're at a tremendous disadvantage in comparison to say Sakaguchi's game, which is maybe like a fifty hour RPG, or a multiplayer game that people play over and over and too, over yeah. again. I mean, then you can see, and it's interesting. To, I thought it was interesting to see kind of the the um, nope, that was in the PlayStation thing. Never mind. It's all starting to blend together. Like all these kind of cutesy little like things are just like yeah. I don't know. No, I completely understand. But I, but again, this make this this has more interest and appeal to me than Stadia because here's a bunch of shit I can't play anywhere else, and apparently I can play it offline, which is you know means I can install it on local hardware, which yep. is a big deal to me. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, put this in the wait and see category. Uh, you'll see what the what the prices look like, but hey, Frogger. Um, yeah, there, there's a reboot of Frogger is one of the one of if the. The, I mean, if this games. can become kind of another sort of outlet for like weird indie shit, like I'm kind of on board with that. Do we need another outlet for weird indie shit? Eh, not really. Not if you have a Switch, I guess. Yeah. Or, or Steam, or but if it's exclusive to this, you know that matters. It'd be hard for me to find a game on this service that. I would... am all on. I am all in for Beyond a Steel Sky. Yeah, because I love Beneath the Steel Sky, the the first game. I I, I love I love that game back in the day. They've got uh, Dave Gibbons, the guy who did uh, did uh, the artist for Watchmen. Um, like that looks real good to me. Like I, I would prefer not to play it on an iPad, but um, well, I, I mean the crazy thing is is that the iPad is like three times more powerful than a Switch. Right. Like <laughs> I mean, it, 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 the talking, iPad I'm not talking about power. Yeah. I'm not talking about power. I'm talking yeah. about controls. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to play shit on a touchscreen. I'm assuming by now there have to be decent Bluetooth controllers. You would yeah. think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably I've never used one or no, bought I'll one. I probably have to buy. I'd probably have to buy a new tablet for this. Yeah. Because my my existing iPad is like five years old. Yeah, this one here is like three years old. I think. I think. Mine's an Mine's an iPad Air two. I think. So yeah. it's pretty old. 
which all I really usually read it, use it for is reading books and comic books. Yeah. I don't really play a lot on it, so it's fine. But like for something like this, I assume I would need. Maybe that's why the streaming element is there, so you can play on older devices. I think Apple's ecosystem is the only chance that this has to be successful. The yeah. fact that so many people are already tied into all things Apple that they'll just stumble upon this stuff. But overall, I'm pretty disappointed in what I saw today. Like, I mean, it just looked like a bunch of indie games that they're like, hey, we'll give you an extra hundred grand if you make it for us. Like, yeah. I I don't know. I, I mean, that business... Of the, all the that, stuff Apple showed today, I thought this was the least impressive. To be I'll fair, you that to way. To be fair, business, that business model worked for PlayStation. It did. Um, it's interesting that they got Sakaguchi. Um because he's not that recognizable. He's recognizable to us. Yeah. But that's not the people you're trying to reach with this. No. But, like, I guess you, you can kind of see where, like, if you put put the guy's name up there big like that, um, that this is a weird one where, like, it's using, like, swarming tech based on, like, how things actually swarm in, like, nature. Uh-huh. And, the, like, the, the close of it was, like, the guy said... Um, we're using like the same swarming algorithms and stuff that nature uses because we don't feel the need to introduce more chaos into the world. I'm like, I don't think if you made your own swarming <laughs> algorithm, it would really affect the makeup of the chaos uh, of, of reality, bro. I when think. developers take themselves too seriously, Tad. happens all the time. There, there's a there's a little bit of um, the old Polygon press reset yeah. trailer to this. Like there's there's a little there's a little um, Especially like the 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 one the developer in the van like that yeah. looks like the van in the game traveling to the dilapidated diner for no reason and fa- whatsoever. I, I love the shot in there where they shoot her driving by from inside the abandoned diner. <laughs> I'm just like like oh. looking out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah. it's like I, I can imagine the moment when someone thought of that shot. How like, about oh, you we get do, out? We get out, we'll drive past, we'll shoot. And we'll go oh, back up and that, then we'll yeah. drive. <laughs> That's genius. Yeah, it's, it's, genius. Reminds, reminds, it's like being back in film school again. <laughs> um, but I'm, I mean, I'm interested. I'm always interested in something if it's something I can only play in one place. because um, yeah. I'll give it a try. Uh, so the, I mean, know, we already have the hardware. Yeah, we have iPhones. No reason not to. And I like Beneath the Steel Sky, uh, also available on GOG. If you like, it's, it's an old point-and-click adventure, cyberpunk adventure game. Um, so I'm into that. Uh, I'm not saying it's uh, something I'm going to, like, put on my calendar and count the days down to, but, like, you give me content I can't get anywhere else, you're going to probably get my attention. So, Do I think they're going to make money on it? Absolutely. Yeah, Do I think sure. they deserve to make money on it? Nope. Well, <laughs> That's pretty much my final take on Apple Arcade. They're, they're, they're going to make money because people are already in there poking around, looking at other stuff. They're going to stumble upon it, but... I don't think there's anything related to Apple Arcade that's going to activate anyone to go and search through their phone and try to figure out where it is. I just, I just don't. I mean, what do you think, Sam? You use your iPhone to game all the time? Meh. 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 Sam says meh. There you go. But as an Apple stockholder, yes. <laughs> Boston says meh, but yeah. if you own stock, you're in. It's thumbs up. Yeah. I mean, I'll pay it. I'll pay attention to it whenever it comes live. But I feel it's going to be one of those things where it's like. I find out like three days later that it went live, like on Monday, and I'm yeah. like, "Oh, it did! Oh, it did! Okay, I'll go. I'll go look now." Overall, I'm very disappointed because if you think about what I mean, you know, knowing that they were working on something related to gaming and sort of what my expectations were and my hopes and dreams were, this fell way short. I mean, this is basically just like, yeah, we we're gonna dedicate some money to some game development. 
I don't. I wouldn't agree with that necessarily. Really? No, I, I think the fact that they are willing to move into games that look like actual video games and not like you know slot machines or like I mean, time sink bullshit. You know, they just like, get lost in the shuffle usually. I mean, yeah, but for every like um, you know whatever you want to call it, like a real game, what was it? What was it? I always think of um, the sword one. Well, yeah, I mean, Infinity That's Blade. Infinity Blade, Infinity yeah. Blade, yeah. Or, like, um, I was thinking of the, the I can't remember, that. it begins with an M. It's the one where it's, like, the the perspective game where you have to kind of walk and move the, move the stairs around. It's like a puzzle game. Um, um, I don't know. Mono, moon, monolith, moon, no? It's, it's like, it's, Not it's, ringing a bell. Maybe someone uh, in chat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's famous. It was, a, it was, like, you know, one of the darlings of the year, but it was, like, one of the, I paid, like, nine bucks for it. I finished it in, like, three hours. I'm like, that was great. I never loaded it up again because yeah. nothing, nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, but, like, the fact that they are, you know, they want to do this thing and they want to move it into kind of, like, you know, every game in that thing while it, what, it is just sort of something I would expect to see at an indie booth at a convention or whatever. I still recognize them all as actual video games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, which is more than I can say of all the clones of like the the, the match three crap and that you want they want to pay Candy Crush style fees to move ahead in or the latest you know permutation of that fighting game that every single license has where you like you fight and you run out of energy you got to pay to fill, refill the energy or wait four hours to play again or like shit like that like those aren't real to me those are those are just like those are treadmills to get you to keep spending microtransaction money if you want to give me actual freaking video games and awesome like are they going to be any good are they going to be things that like set my world on fire that i bring up in the game of the year discussion probably not yeah. but like at least it's something i i just think if you're gonna and i'm assuming they're gonna charge 10 bucks a month but it, look if they charge a dollar a month or two monument or valley yeah that's it if they charge a dollar a month or two dollars a month sure I highly doubt that's going to be the case. My guess is they also have an announced pricing. My mm -hmm. guess is it's going to be $10 a month, and there's no way I'm paying $10 a month to play any games. I'm just not. I'll pay $10 a month to play Beyond a Steel Sky. I don't know For if the I'd, first month. Yeah, I don't know if I'd keep, <laughs> I'd keep it beyond that. I guess that's the beauty of it. You could pay for one month and get through as many yeah. of them as you want, and then just drop it. I mean, my curiosity on this is going to be basically, is this sort of a starting point, and you start to build to things that are bigger and more ambitious, or is this basically just you're going to keep it level, and this is what it's going to be? Yeah. Because if you want to start slow... And kind of, you know, because Beneath a Steel Sky feels, Beyond a Steel Sky feels like, oh, that's a real adventure. It is, it's yeah. a real thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to kind of build up until you're, you know, maybe a year from now they're starting to put out stuff that maybe comes comes along, is maybe not triple A stuff, but it is double A stuff. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you're looking at stuff triple like triple yeah, A. <laughs> uh, maybe, but maybe you're looking at stuff like, you know, exclusives on Apple Arcade that's like maybe on par with like Vampire. Yeah. Or something Possible. like that. You know, like that could be that could be a thing. It'd be that's a worthwhile platform to have around. Would I be subscribed to it every month? Not necessarily. But when something interesting comes out, I'd subscribe to it for that month and play that and then stop. Which like sorry, but yeah, like that's yeah. I mean It's crazy know. how many services there are or yeah. are are gonna are gonna be on the market within the next like year. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a lot more. I mean, people are going to get squeezed out. It's just inevitable. It, you can, you're you not going to be able to support every platform. You can only throw 10 bucks a month at so many things. Yep, eventually you run out of $10 bills. So, All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Nintendo. Lots of indie discussion this, this episode. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk it about it again. It just keeps fucking going, doesn't it? And yeah. even the Sony thing, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, you're right. Uh, Nintendo had a direct. It was one of its Nindies presentations, which I think it's done every GDC since it started doing directs. Yeah. It does one at PAX West every year, and then I think it does one at GDC. Yeah. I think the timing works out well enough. Yeah, it's kind of like every six months. It's like staggered that way. Um, what did you think of this one? 
Uh, I didn't see much of it, actually. Oh, okay. I saw, I watched the stuff for Cadence of Hyrule, because I'm interested in that, because I like Crypt of the Necrodancer, um, and I like Zelda, so you put those two things together, and I'm interested. Yeah, Cadence uh, of Hyrule was easily the coolest thing that they announced. And, and they announced a ton. There's a ton of indies that they announced. Yeah, so that was about all I noticed, really. I, I, cause the, and the other thing, I was Cuphead, but I already have that on two different platforms, so I don't yeah. need to buy it again. Um... And um, what was the other thing? Um, they, they are the, the well, I just mentioned they ran the Stranger Thing. They ran more Stranger Things yeah. stuff, which because they'd run that before. Before that's the first thing about season three we ever saw was a, the trailer for that game. This is ago. The, that was done where for season two as well. They showed a trailer of the video game before they showed really a trailer from the actual show, hmm. and the the footage of the game actually spoiled a little bit of stuff that ended up happening in the show. <laughs> I have a feeling this does the same thing. So, like, at the end of this little... The trailer's only, like, 20 seconds long or whatever. But at the end, it has, like, this crazy, like, spinning attack. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling, because it's what it ends on, that that has some pertinence to the actual TV show. Because the last time, when they showed off the last game for the first time, absolutely there were hints about what was yeah, going to be... here they're in the mall that we, right. saw, that we saw in the... That's right, in the trailer. Because that's the, one of the big premises is, like... Uh, they open a new mall in the uh, in the town. Well, they're also like now they're tweens. They're not like kids anymore. They're, yeah, they're, thir they're like thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, they're starting to get to the point where they actually are attracted to each other and that kind of stuff. It should add some. Well, that was already in play. Yeah, it was getting there. Two. It was puppy love though, but now they might actually consummate the relationship. Okay, now okay, now we're in a weird, <laughs> old, weird new area. I don't need to see that. But, I mean, Steve, sure, but like, <laughs> I did like that at the at the end, where this, because like, Steve is the best character in the series, and uh, like where he's friends with all the kids, and the the girl he's working with is like, how many children are you friends with? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, that was like eight, funny. eight or nine. Yeah, we, we fight <laughs> monsters together. You know, you know how it goes. Um, uh, okay, so you mentioned kind of everything. Let's talk a little bit more in depth about each of the things that was shown. A cadence of Hyrule. For those of you who don't know, it is a cross of Zelda and Crypt of the Necrodancer. And Crypt of the Necrodancer is a, is a mashup of music and rhythm games and RPGs. Roguelikes, specifically. Roguelikes, yeah. So you move and attack to the beat of the music. Yes. Which... And everything else moves with you. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's insane to play this game because it's like this weird, like, anticipatory trying to figure out what's the enemy going to do, which way am I going to go, and it all has to be to the beat of the music. It is one of the more unique games that's been released in the last half decade, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where you play it and you're like, <clears throat> how did no one else think of this? And all or, this time. And yet at the same <laughs> time, you're like, how did anyone think of yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, really a genius game. Yeah. And to see the sequel with with Zelda slathered all over it, I'm totally fine with yeah, it. Yeah, it makes, it makes a, again, it makes a frightening amount of sense. And at the same time, it would never have occurred to me. Yep. And it's come in in the spring. It also, one of the coolest things about it is it has... Chiptune remixes of like 30 Zelda mm -hmm. songs or something like that. They know how to snag the Nintendo fans. But what's most, Music. what's most interesting about this and a trend lately is Nintendo loosening its grip on its IP. Mm -hmm. It is letting other little small indie developers do crazy stuff with its IP. It's freaking awesome. What is this Nintendo that we're dealing with in 2019? It's I like it's a Nintendo that's had good experiences licensing out their IPs to you know the right people. I mean, I think Ubisoft has been integral 
in loosening yeah. them up in that yeah, regard. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, Ubisoft has never let them down. Yeah. Um, you know, this I, indie I, stuff, though, I'd be nervous. It's like these little studios, man. Like somewhat, but also I think if you're Nintendo at this point, you're realizing that you're the other the other side of your bread is buttered by indie stuff. Absolutely. Guess that's where they're filling the, the holes in their schedule with. Yep. And you know, I'm sure they take meetings with a lot of these people. And if you, if you know, Nintendo knows when when some you know these people seem to Nintendo seem to really know when someone gets what they're after. And they must have had a really good interaction with the Crypt of the Necrodancer guys and and guys and girls and decided like, hey, these guys could could do this. Old Nintendo would worry that some rogue developer would hide something in the game. Or I mean, I'm not making this stuff up, like. This is legitimate things that Nintendo has stated it was concerned about in the past. And I don't know if it's just the total changing of the guard with the Wada gone and Yamauchi gone. I think the lack of Yamauchi helps a lot. Yep. Uh, it's also sort of the thing where, like, you know, indie... You also notice how many indie devs are talking about, about how well things sell on the Switch. And yeah. how all... It's like... And so it's very much in these indie devs' interest to not piss Nintendo no, off. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're going to play ball with these with Nintendo. However, you need to play ball. I uh, think Nintendo's doing a great job. So I think it's, it's really smart. It's, yep. re- it's, it's how it should be. Uh, and I've said before, I think I hope they give the next Star Fox to the to the Starlink team. Yep. I think they. Hopefully, know, they already did, and they're already working on it. And that's also a solution to kind of the gaps in their schedule. You know, the, yeah. the, it's it's. It's smart. Like you know, it, it's not a full-fledged Zelda game, but you got some Zelda content out of nowhere Zelda-ish. In, in, the, in the spring. You didn't expect, and it's yep. great, great. It's more, awesome. do it more. Yep. So as you said, Cuphead on Switch, uh, again a major coup. Here we have Microsoft and Nintendo teaming up. Cuphead, you might say. Yeah. I mean, we had heard rumors about this. I think we talked about it either <clears throat> two episodes ago or last episode. I can't remember. Yeah, it was recently. Yeah, we, but we brought it up that, like, there were rumors swirling that Cuphead was going to end up on Switch. And obviously, as you know, this was a Microsoft exclusive that micro, Microsoft subsidized the development for. Mm-hmm. And it is 100% okay about a year later yeah, micro- allowing that onto Switch. Microsoft and Nintendo are, seem to be in quite the bromance here. It is strange. Um, what do you think the odds are of uh, Master Chief showing up in Smash? I think that's pretty slim. <laughs> I think that's still pretty slim. Cuphead, I think, could end up in Cuphead Smash. Cuphead could happen. Yeah, the develop- which I think would be awesome. The developers have already said they'd like to do it. Oh, right. That's right. I did read that quote. And it could happen. It, it could. could absolutely it would happen. Fit. It would make sense. They would fit. They would be, I think they'd be, be great pretty cool playable. It would be pretty yeah. cool if Master Chief got f- in. Yeah, it would. <laughs> I don't see that happening though. I, I think I that's could. a step too far. I don't know. I think I think if you want to make Halo hip again, <laughs> that's that's sort of step one. Um, I, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't count that out. I really wouldn't. I, um, I mean, look, I never would have guessed Cuphead because, would be coming out for right. Switch. So. Also because like um, it's in, like it's one of the things that I think is weird when people because people talk about constantly like this character and this and Switch this and Switch or not Switch uh, Smash. This isn't Smash. This isn't Smash. And you see, like, I saw a thread last week where people were talking about, like, Fate. Fate Stay Night. That series, you know? Yeah. Uh, which character from that should be in Smash? I'm like, none, none of, of them. them. <laughs> none of them. <laughs> because Smash Brothers is supposed to be a celebration of sort of, like, the greatest of video games. Yeah, like, Fate Stay not Night it. has not earned its place <laughs> next to Solid Snake and Pac-Man. What the fuck? <laughs> but Master Chief? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, he's, he's worthy like, of the look, roster. Because, look, at this sure. point, it feels like you're not really... It, it's, it doesn't have... It used to be, like, kind of the greatest of Nintendo and, like... 
I feel like it's, you know, it, Pac-Man made sense because Pac-Man had a lot of good games on Nintendo systems. Metal Gear Solid makes sense because Metal Gear started on Nintendo. Yeah, um, I mean, that was a you're going. It's a throwback, but, but it's still yeah. there. Um, Sonic made sense because that was the big rivalry, and yeah. now they were kind of together. But now it's just sort of like, oh, whatever. whatever. Like, if it seems like it might be Is it a be video cool. game? Come on in. Come <laughs> yeah. on in. Yeah. Um, so, but it's like, it, it kind of keep that, that, that sort of trend of like, it's almost like a museum of like the greatest things in the, in the medium. And I feel like Master Chief and that, that team would, I mean, if Master Chief can be in Dead or Alive, he can be in Smash Brothers. I do wonder how he this. Was, I know that wasn't the Master Chief. That was, uh, what's her name? Sarah. I right. Think, like whatever. That. Was, but it was still a Spartan. <laughs> well, it's a Spartan, yeah. If you got to make it a generic Spartan. 95% okay, really. of the people who looked at that would be like, that's Master Chief. So only people who are crazy Halo fans would pick up on the armor differences or whatever. Well, also it had a girl's voice. So yeah. It was a, it was, that helps. Like, <laughs> oh, Master Chief is... Sounds different. How far do you think that this bromance is going to go between Nintendo and Microsoft? I don't know. Well, we'll see. It seems like they've kind of teamed up against the evil empire that is Sony. A little bit. I mean, also because, like, I really don't think they see each other's competition. Uh, They're they're after very different markets, and and I don't think uh, at this point, if you're Microsoft in particular, I don't think you're going to look at the Switch and think of it as something that makes the Xbox... Irrelevant. No, definitely not. Um, yeah. And it, if you know, if the rumors about you know Xbox Live or whatever kind of coming in some sort of app form to the Switch are true, you know, indeed, it seems like Microsoft. Well, I think it is. I think the Cuphead thing confirmed that Xbox Live. Yeah, was indeed, Microsoft seems to look at the Switch audience as maybe people who would never buy an Xbox. Value adds, yeah. But like someone you can still present that content to, like that's still a valuable. And I also thing. think Nintendo fully realizes that. Very few people only buy a Nintendo console. Right. I think Nintendo realizes, yeah, most of the people who own Switch also own either a PS4 or an Xbox One. Why would we turn those people away? We should court those people. Yeah. So it's like it almost feels like the team up here is sort of admitting, like, look, we're not going to prevent people from buying a PS5. Yeah. Like, you get people going to want to play God of War too. People going to want to play whatever yeah. whatever other exclusives pop up from Sony because they're they're going to want to play Spider Man too. For God's sake. Everyone. Why, why wouldn't you want to play yeah. Spider-Man 2? Um, so you kind of form this coalition on the other side of like, hey, you don't only want to play PlayStation stuff. You've got all this other stuff over here. And one way or the other, whether they go for the Switch, whether they go for the Xbox, whether whatever, whatever in between, you've, you know, Microsoft and Nintendo sort of have them in their ecosystem. Yep. You know, they can, they, can, they can push content to them. They can show them their own thing. They can, you know, team up. And, and so, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense against sort of this monolithic Sony situation, especially when Sony is refusing to play ball on even things as makes simple as cross-play. Yeah. And there's also that sort of thing where, like, no one really likes Sony. Like, no one really likes having to work with Sony. <laughs> it's just sort of like you end up having to do it because they're so big. Yeah. And, like... I think just sort of the the fan base pop you got from when like Microsoft and and Nintendo's European Twitter accounts started you know poking Sony for not letting right. letting crossplay happen yeah. like there was a lot of good response to that. And yeah, it's like, for sure. Like they can only help each other yeah. at this point. So I think it makes a lot of sense because they're after such different things. Those two in particular, yeah. I think, are the. Two Maybe would it make sense for Sony and Nintendo team up? Not really. No, it doesn't. Not in the same way because. Sony has a much bigger presence in Japan. Yeah. That makes a, a world of difference. Yeah. So. And I think they can help each other in that sensibility, too. Like, Microsoft has trouble making any kind of inroads in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nintendo can kind of maybe lean on Microsoft a little bit in terms of appealing to the Western audience or, or you know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the they dude, do the, any more you know, Microsoft is sort of the home of the dude bro or has been in the yeah. past. So, like, you know, if, Microsoft, if Nintendo wants to be like, 
like, how do we do something that's a little more Gears of War-y? And, like, you can be like, oh, we can we can talk about that. Nintendo. Or if Nintendo's a character start appearing in Microsoft. I mean, it'll be interesting that to see how far That would be harder goes. to... Yeah, that would be a hard... I mean, I don't think... I mean... Marcus Phoenix wearing Mario's hat at some point is probably not a thing I expect to see. I mean, think about this. Do you think Nintendo, if Microsoft had a handheld, you think Nintendo would ever let one of its games appear on, like, Microsoft's platform? I mean, beyond, like, maybe... Like some, a whole game. Like some real old thing? Eh, probably not. I mean, <laughs> no. Nintendo doesn't need that, though. Microsoft's the one in last place right now. They're the, yeah. ones, who, they're the ones who need to kind of have the support. Uh, on the flip side, would, would it shock me if they make a new Fable game and the Master Sword is in there somewhere? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it's it's not impossible. It's really not, like actually. A, like a green tunic or something. Yeah. If you can, if you have Samus. I mean, Link's been in like Monster Hunter yeah. and. You can have Samus armor in uh, in um, um, Skyrim. You could have Samus armor in Halo. Yeah. Honestly, multiplayer or whatever you can. Man, do that Samus. would be the matchup in Sma- it was Samus versus versus Master Chief. It would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the last game... You could even do that as sort of like if they're doing the Halo Infinite as like a service. You can even have it be limited time stuff. Oh, for sure. You know, like, like, yeah. Witcher, like Witcher like and special Monster events. World and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You could do some It'd cool stuff. It would make a stuff. lot of sense. Yep. And it would bring a lot of eyeballs to Microsoft's system that wouldn't necessarily look at it any other, in any other situation. Yep. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about from Nintendo's Nindy presentation, although there were a lot more, you can find the whole thing on Sifted, is Rad, which is a new game from Double Fine. Double Fine! It is an isometric, beat-em-up, roguelite, post-apocalyptic... Those guys just do whatever the hell they want, don't they? <laughs> Pretty much. Double Fine is great. Yeah. This game does not look great, though. It's, so characters can mutate. That's sort of rad for radioactive. The characters, like, one of the characters looks like Gex. Remember that old video game character? I remember Gex, yeah. The, like, one of the characters' head kind of mutates into, like, a gecko. Like, what happened to Dana Ghoul anyway? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, this game does not look good to me. It looks very, the art style's very weird. Um, it looks like it could be fun. So it looks like it has some pretty unique mechanics to it, but I don't know. I feel like Double Fine's kind of slipping a little bit, to be honest. Nah, it's all waiting for Psychonauts 2. I guess. I mean, I used to be excited for everything that it put its name on. There's the the gecko that can stretch it. <laughs> it's just a weird-looking game. Like, I feel like the last few Double Fine games have not been games I was particularly it's interested in. It's a fun in. little thing. It's, you know, it's not, it's not their next major release or anything. I mean, um, the thing is, is they don't really have major releases anymore. Psychonauts 2 is going to be a major release. Yeah, but, I mean, when was the last one? Um, I don't know. See? Broken Age, that's sort of. I guess. That's still kind of an indie game. And that it was, was an indie act- game, but it was sort of like the, the, the pioneer of Kickstarting. Yeah, so I get, crowdfunding. You know, it's certainly their most visible thing. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it put them back on the map, mm-hmm. all the, the stuff that came with what that. What was the last thing they put out? Uh, Headlander? That's right, yeah. Is that the last one? Maybe. It's the last one I remember. And that game wasn't great. I, yeah. I got it, I played it for like an hour and a half, and I was like, eh. Sometimes the quirk outweighs the good in their games. Yeah, I, I, I feel w- like that's been the case for a lot of their recent releases. Somewhat. I mean, well, I mean, I would say that was also part of the problem with Brutal Legend, but... Yeah. Um, I know everybody sort of thought that was going to be a God of War game and it turned out to be an RTS. Yeah, it's very was like, weird. Oh, what's that? Because they didn't really market it beforehand. Like, we had that... There was that one event... That was like the week before it came out. We all went. We were like, what? This is what the game is? Like, I thought it was like God of War with like a heavy metal dude that beat people up with his flying V guitar. Like, 
I remember that. I was like, oh, this isn't going to go over well. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. It did not sell well. So Also, it doesn't have a middle act. Yeah. Like, it just sort of jumps to the end after you play, like, three matches. It's very weird. And that could have been budget. Game's not going to come out if we yeah. keep tweaking it, blah, blah, blah. Especially when you're talking about a smaller studio like that, it could be a like Bru- But to me, Brutal Legend should have been, like, a Darksiders game. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah, the was, world was so interesting, and I didn't want to. The game wasn't play the game. Yeah, the yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you hired Jack Black yeah. for that too. It's like, it's like the, the the premise is great, and the music is great, and everything was great, except I didn't like playing it. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the most important that is part. part it's, it's a key element. <laughs> it a key is. element of a video game. It is. Uh, do you think Nintendo should keep doing these Nindies n- directs? Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's there. I mean, it's so important to how the Switch ecosystem kind of perpetuates itself right now yeah. and, and keeps people It felt kind of redundant with GDC happening. Yeah, but like, you know, I think you always have to keep in mind that the Nintendo audience is also a little bit self-contained. No, you're right. They're a little so, detached from yeah. other folks in, that are in the game. So you still got to get that message to them. And That's true. And it makes sense to still do it as a direct. Yep. I'm sure they're going to keep The September one makes a lot more sense just in terms of... You know, you're sort timing, of, and timing and sort of you're, you're right before the holiday season. It's been a couple months since E3. It's sort of like this dead zone. It's right about the time you want to hear some new stuff Yeah. And, until you kind of go through the holiday season and then you get to the video game awards, the game awards, and you're like, now it's time for more new stuff. Um, yeah. It's a good place for it. That's um, true. This one I, I get like it's kind of redundant with GDC, especially because GDC does tend it's to focus indies, on indie yeah. stuff more often. But I think Nintendo's audience is um, uh, maybe, maybe uh, insular enough that it, it still makes sense to do that. All right. Time to move on. We're going to talk next about From Software's next game, Sekiro, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. I still don't know what the correct way is to say it. Sekiro. Sekiro. Yeah. All right. I mean, you don't have to do the accent every time. Like, <laughs> I say Sekiro. It, when I am in Japan, it's always tough for me to, should I speak the way I think I'm supposed to speak, or should I just speak Japanese like American dude? I don't know. Well, I remember the first time we were there and we were trying to order uh, beer. The, the, beer, 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 Kieran, beer, can we beer? And like, mm, we don't know. And finally, uh, I think like, I think our boss was, was like, uh, Kieran, beer? Like, oh, Kieran, beer. Yeah, like, no, that's like, Japan. Yeah, you like, can say uh, beer, and, like, and they'll be like clueless. And we, did, we didn't want to like do the And accent. then you say beeru, well, and they're like, oh, I get it. Like, this is <laughs> how they pronounce it. But it's like. It's like we didn't want to do that because we didn't want to seem like racist or right, whatever. Right, but like yeah. at a certain point, you just have to, you know, pronounce it the way you pronounce it. <laughs> I mean, that's literally the. I mean, if you spell it out, Romanized is B I R U. Like I have literally a funny, the, the word. Here's a funny story, and I feel a little bit bad, but we're all friends. I'll, I'll, I feel okay sharing the story. So uh, we were staying at the Park Hyatt, which is the hotel where Lost in Translation was filmed or whatever. Mm-hmm. We would always stay there when we went there. And I had gone to Harajuku to do some shopping. It was like the one day off that we had while we were there. And I get into a cab. And like before I would leave the hotel, I'd always take like a business card from the hotel and hand it to them because it's easier than trying to tell them. Well, it was in English. And this guy couldn't read English at all. Hmm. And so I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, okay, the Park Hyatt is literally like probably one of the top five most famous hotels in the world. Like... One time I stayed there and I rode the elevator down with like Radiohead. Like it, that's how big that mm. that hotel is. And I'm trying to get him to take me to the Park Hyatt. I'm like, Park Hyatt, Park Hyatt. And he just sat there <laughs> and couldn't understand anything I was saying. And he, was, and he like pushed the button 
that opened the door. You know how like they have automatic, oh, yeah, automatic doors, doors in the cab. He pushed the button and the door next to me swings open. He's basically He's saying like, get, like get the hell out of my cab. <laughs> and and I said to him, I go, Paka Hayata. And he goes, hi. And he drove me right to the park high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I felt terrible. I'm like, I feel like I'm imitating how Japanese people would say it, and I'm probably yeah. not even doing that right, but it actually it's close worked enough. that it yeah. got me to the hotel. Very strange story. Anyway, it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about Sekiro, <laughs> Shadows Die Twice. Uh, From Software's next game. I did a live stream of it on Saturday. You guys made fun of me for two hours. Thank you very much. That was fun. Um, I did play it more after the stream, which I'm guessing a lot of you may be surprised to hear that I went back and played more of it. Matt, however, has played a ton of it. Uh, Matt also, for those of you who may not know, Matt is basically an expert on From Software's games. He plays them no, all. No, I'm not. Well, relatively speaking. Of the two of us, yes. Yes. But like, <laughs> I'm not... There are crazy From Software fanboys that, yeah, that go... As- well, several steps beyond. No, where I do you not are. know the deep lore. I do not know the the, the you know the min max stuff. I don't you know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing most of the time. I just survive it, and that's good enough for me. You've played them all. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start there, uh, Matt. Since you do know this, the their prior games far better than I do. Why don't you kind of give us a summary on what the big changes are? Um, well, the main change is that it's not a Souls game. Um, it is a lot of the same philosophy, and it has. Uh, I think the level design you recognize it for the most part. Like you recognize that the environments are made by the same people that made Dark Souls. Yep. Um, it uses the same sort of bonfire checkpoint idea that also includes you know you rest and the uh, the enemies that you killed respawn. Um, you can fast travel between them. That's also where you do your upgrading. Like that's all the same. Um, you know, similar control scheme in the sense of like you're using the shoulder buttons as attack and defense. Um, but it is a more action-driven combat system. It is a, it is someone on, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're not just, you know, you're only one attack button. There's no, uh, there's no uh, hard and light attack. It's all one swing button, and then you have a, the R1 is attack, R2 is your prosthetic arm, special ability, whatever you have equipped at the time, uh, L1 is def- defend, and uh, L2 is uh, grappling hook, um, which oh, all works very well. Maybe um, we should set up the story as to why you have that arm. Oh well, early on you're trying to escape from um, you're a, you're a shinobi uh, serving a, a lord, and the lord happens to be like a twelve year old boy, and you're trying to escape from uh, uh, where you've been they've been invaded or whatever, and you find that you find the kid uh, holed up in this tower, and you try to escape with him, and you run into the general or some some very very important samurai who you can tell he's very hard to kill because he's big and has a big robe, <laughs> um, and his hat, his hat is huge. It's yeah. like, it's a, um, and you you also meet him in this be, this beautiful field of like of like kind of flowers it and, is and reeds. That scene is and uh, that's how you know something important is going to happen in a samurai story. You see white flowers. The, the more beautiful and <laughs> yeah, it's because the blood will show up on the flowers. Yeah. That's why that's why it that happens. There. Um, and you fight him, and it's one of those boss fights where, like, you're supposed to lose. Although, apparently, there are people who can uh, win. Uh, they're good enough that they can win. But even if you do, I think you still get the cutscene where you lose. Um, and he cuts uh, uh, Wolf's arm off, his, his left arm, and takes can the... Can you win that fight? Yeah, I just said, you can, you can win the fight. There's people who can win the fight gameplay-wise, but at the end of it, I think you still, you still, lose, you still lose. Okay. Um, you kind of have to. I mean, <laughs> set up the whole game. Yeah, set up the and whole game. then you, uh, or at least there's people. Like, I, I, the sec. So I played it. Um, I got a PlayStation Four copy a couple days early, and played it on that. 
And then when I, and I, I got to, I think, the, the Chained Ogre mini boss. It took me about three hours. And then the PC version on Steam went live. I already pre I'd pre-ordered that. That went live. That was supposed to go live like early, like morning of Friday. And it went live like early evening on Thursday, unexpectedly. Yeah. And I only knew because I saw a tweet about it, I think from Wario 64 or something. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I ran into the other room and I'm like, there it is. I'm gonna go. So I started over <laughs> on the PC can. version on full 60 frames a second because the PlayStation 4 Pro is playable, but it's still very waver wavers between 40 and 60. Yeah. Um, and so I played it, you know, started over on a PC. I got to the same point that taken three hours to get to on the PS4. It took me 80 minutes. Yeah. Because that's how these skill games matters. Work. Yeah. Like it, it, <laughs> that's it, it how these really games matters. work. Yeah. Uh, knowing what you're walking into and knowing how to deal with it is is the whole. It is. Game. Yeah. Um, so he uh, gets killed and the kid gets taken, or he gets his arm cut off and the kid gets taken away and then he wakes up in this weird um, uh, temple with this like sculptor who has made this prosthetic shinobi arm that is looks like it's made out of like like ceramic hand with like bone wrists it looks like the like, bones are still there yeah well it's it, what are those the bones called the ulna and ulna the, on the radio yeah radio but they're I th they're not his they're right yeah part of the thing gone. the guy made <laughs> yeah and for some reason he can move it and you know it's sort of magic um and the main um the main trick of it is it has a grappling hook in it. He can shoot it out and grab things and pull up just like the grappling hook in Tenchu. Tenchu, yeah. Um, except it works way better because it's the auto, the aiming is very intuitive and you can just hit the button and do it. Whereas in Tenchu, you sort of had to click in and yeah, aim the thing and yeah, hit the right thing awkward. and hope it connected. And yeah. This this is very much, you know. Much it, more user friendly. It's, it's very fire and forget. Like yeah. you, can, you can really You know it's going to latch when it... And then eventually the you can find uh, prosthetic attachments that let you throw, sh you know, shoot shuriken or like fire fire, you know, be, it turns into like a flame blast or uh, a giant axe that cuts through shields. Um, it just you know, it goes on and on. Um, there's a whole bunch and there's a whole separate tree. You can upgrade everything. I mean, the upgrades in this game go way deep. Um, but it's not an RPG. It is not. It is an action game. Yeah. It is, There's not uh, builds, and you're not going to be fiddling around yeah. with your armor and all this other stuff trying yeah. to I mean, you can, maximize uh, your... I mean, you can choose what abilities to upgrade for each in you know, various trees and stuff. So there is some of that, but the way that works is very different from Dark Souls, where Dark Souls was about you collected the souls, you go back to a bonfire, you uh, use the souls, spend the souls to level up, which basically means you up one stat at a time each time you level up. And that has an influence on the damage you do, or the speed, or the health, or whatever. This game, all the upgrades like that are, outside of the abilities, the upgrades are very much tied to specific items you get from beating hard enemies. Yeah. So, and here's where I say, I, mean, I, I don't think this is controversial, but I would say that this game is harder than any of the Souls games. I don't think it is controversial. Um, I think everyone said that. Because in a Souls game, if you're stuck on something, you can just sort of kill things over and over, build up the Souls, go back to the bonfire, level up slowly. Maybe it'll take you a long time. But, but you eventually, do you'll do way more damage to that boss you're stuck on or whatever you're stuck on. But Sekiro doesn't work that way because most of the upgrades come from those bosses you're stuck on. So you literally just have to get better yeah. and handle them properly. Without getting without help, Without or, any help, yeah. yeah. And sometimes you know, you'll, you'll, you'll sneak around and you'll hear like eavesdrop on conversations and you'll find out that like, oh, this thing is weak to fire or whatever. So like, and then like, you'll find like the, the fire upgrade for your prosthetic arm and you know that, okay, it's like the, the one mini boss that they said is weak to fire. It, the fire weapon doesn't actually do much damage to him, but it automatically 
staggers Brock him. staggers him. He yep. automatically puts him on his heels. So it's like a get out of jail free card if you find yourself staggering in, the wrong in this place. game is everything. Yeah, absolutely. That's what your your objective is to stagger enemies yeah. and then finish them. That's pretty so, much how it works. So someone I can't I wish I could remember who said this on um, on Twitter. I read it like the day before it came out. Some journal I can't remember who it was, but basically he he said the combat system in Sekiro is like they made a combat system out of trying to open a jar of pickles. <laughs> um, and that's a, gr- that's a great way to describe that. I wish I remembered who said that so I could give him credit for it. But um, the, the combat in the game is very based around clashing. Uh, it is not sort of like that sort of give, the give and take of the Dark Souls games were more like dodge hit or parry hit. Yeah. The parrying was, was kind of more expert in Dark Souls, but there was a lot of like, you know, find that advantage and kill them before they can do anything about it. And there is a stealth kill mechanic in this game that you need to use as much as you can because multiple enemies can overwhelm you very quickly. But if you're fighting one-on-one, your basic thing is just hammering at most enemies is not going to get you anywhere. They they're going to block, blocking. block, block, and yep. eventually you're going to run out of, run out of uh, posture and they're going to be able and to come back to kill you, you yep. and interrupt your attacks. So you need to use the, the, the L1 defense. And when they c- attack you, if you hold L1, you will block their attack. And if the, you can keep blocking their attacks, but eventually your posture will run out, you can't, you'll get your guard broken, more or less. That, that's not a big problem most of the time that I've found, as long as you're being smart about when you take, you know, go on and off the, the guard. What you want to do is, like so many action games, if you hit the defense button right as the strike hits you, you will deflect it as a parry. And some enemies are weak enough that that gets you an instant opening to do a death blow. Where the, Most where the, of the rank and file enemies. Yeah, basic enemies tend to, like, one yeah. or two. But the def- deflection, like, the thing is, like, it doesn't automatically get you a death blow. It just does a lot of damage to their posture. And once their posture is broken, that's when you get the death blow. Right. Um, so that's what you're after. So basically, against a strong enemy, the combat, you're sort of standing toe-to-toe Hit, clash, you know, defense, clash, deflect, hit, back, clash. I mean, it's the, the, the flow back and forth is constant and fast and fucking awesome. Like, it's, I, I love the combat system in this game. It is, I, I complained a little bit during Devil May Cry 5 about how I missed kind of Devil May Cry's three, Devil May Cry 3's, uh, you know, emphasis on, emphasis on the defense and the yeah. counters and that one particular po- po- pose or fighting style I can use and how some of it came down like two frame deflect you know counters yeah. and deflections there's nothing more satisfying to me in an action game than getting a, a solid counter off of a perfect parry and this game does this it feels good constantly and it's, it's the whole game it's the whole thing and like you know and it's great it's so good and it teaches you something every single enemy type teaches you something new about the combat system they keep layering more and more ideas and more and more quirks and more and more elements on top of it as you move and like you sort of have to absorb that and all those things that you learn from those enemies in the run-up to the next mini boss you're going to need to know that um it, and, you know, and they start adding like un- things that can't be blocked or things that have to be countered in very specific ways like when you see the red kanji pop up uh that's that means wh- you can't that means block. you can't like just block normally it means um it's going to be one of three attacks is going to be either a grab which you have to dodge with the circle button uh it's going to be uh, a sweep you have to jump over and then the jump the thing that they don't really teach you unless you do the the training with the guy near the temple is then you hit x again and you do like a dive kick and that does massive posture damage hmm. um so the count you know it's worth learning the count and then there's a there's a thrust which you basically you can't just hold to block you have to count you have to deflect or get stabbed and then you can learn another move in with the abilities 
um, that lets you, you, instead of doing the, the defense move, you hit the, the dodge button without moving the stick at the right time at the last second, and you will step on the spear, grind into the ground, and get an instant death blow yeah. on most regular that's one of the That's probably the most satisfying one. That's stepping, a great move. Stepping really on the sword. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so but when we say abilities, by the way, that ties into kind of another Dark Souls parallel that's a little different, is uh, when you die... Uh, the, the, the premise of the game with the, the boy you're trying to save, the Lord, um, he has like special royal blood or something that allows you to do the resurrection thing. So if you die once, uh, you, re you can resurrect on the spot. If, and, and then uh, you can rebuild that resurrection ability by killing more enemies. Yep. Um, you have to fill the, basically you have to fill that bar back up. Or if you go back and rest, obviously you reset the enemies again. But if you rest, you get the, the, the default one resurrection back and you can fill the resurrection like enemy bar up full and keep it there but if you die once you lose the ability to resurrect for a while and you have to kill a couple enemies before you can get that enemy bar resurrection available and the reason that's there is so you don't get an extra free life when you fight a boss yeah that's and that's what i was going to say is that when you're fighting a boss that's impossible right exactly You'll that's, that's the that entire reason one. that that is there unless unless the boss has multiple health bars right because if you take off the first bar, you get another resurrection. Yeah, you can you can unlock that resurrection by yep. doing that sometimes. Or if they have like uh, minions. Yeah. That, that's also possible. But if you're fighting minions and a boss, you're probably screwed. You're anyway. probably yeah, you're screwed pretty um, much. <laughs> so the, so if you die, so if you run out of resurrections and you die for real, you go back to the latest. Uh, it's not a bonfire; they're the sculptor's idols. Yeah. But you lose but you lose really half your money. And you lose... Uh, Not always, though. No, but that's, that's a different mechanic. You lose half your money and you lose half the experience you've built up to the next uh, ability point. Yeah. And ability points are what you use to get abilities. Abilities are subtle things that can be kind of game changers. Uh, I, I have one, you know, there's one that like lets you get health back when you do a death blow, which is like Definitely pick that deal. one. <laughs> uh, there's ones that make healing items do more damage. There's ones that give you special, you know, special moves that like... Yeah, there's a spin move that can help get guys off you. There's a, a move that, like, if you, you can attack in midair when you're doing a grappling hook thing, which seems, like, kind of stupid. It seems, like, pointless because, like, okay, why do I want to attack when I'm jumping on a roof or a branch? But eventually you run into enemies that if you stagger them right or they're in the right position, you can grapple to a point on them and pull, and pull yourself to them. And when you do that, being able to hit them in midair twice and then, like, kind of rush past them, that's a great move. Yeah. Um, so everything has its use. Um, and so the balance on, on the resurrection versus the dying as opposed to like, because you, you can't go back to where you died and pick your stuff up again, like in Dark Souls. If you lose that stuff, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, there is a, uh, there is a, um, a mechanic where you can escape that, where like, like some unseen deity uh, spares you the penalty, but you have a low is a percentage of you know I think you start with thirty yeah. percent chance of that happening. But as you die more, that something called the, something called the dragon rot sets in, and you get these dragon rot I items, and it also infects other NPCs in the game. But it lowers the percentage. So right now, I think my my uh, my percentage of getting uh, untouched by death is thirteen percent. And there's a quest you can do later that um, that I'm in the middle of uh, right now, where you're supposed to like. D, you basically you you cure some of the NPCs and it takes away those items from your inventory and it ups your percentage. Back. Oh, interesting. So there is a way to do that, but I think there's a limited number of items that do that. So the idea is basically don't die too much, but you're going to die a lot. But it's yes, okay. you are. <laughs> yes, you are. You're absolutely going to die a lot in this game. So I think it's hard. I think it's harder both in the sense that um, 
you know, it doesn't give you a break on um, being able to level up and be more powerful when you fight enemies you're having a problem with. And it's also harder in the sense that I think the death penalties are harsher. If you, you think so? Well, in the sense that you can never get your stuff back. Right. You know, like, like you, you, you can't just keep throwing yourself against stuff. I mean, oh, I'll just go back and pick up my souls again. Like, that money's gone. I mean, it's but not hard to make to, more money. But being but, able to resurrect is huge. Right. But like, I mean, that's a big deal. You can only do that once. Or you, you could also just look at it as like, well, what if you say it? The double life bar, like you know, that's just sort of a standard thing. Yeah. Um, and then the risk reward of because you know most of the time what happens if I die once I resurrect and I fight uh, my way out of the situation and I will just run back and rest and try again because yeah. I don't want to die again and lose my. Oh, I usually don't even thing. resurrect. I usually just respawn. <laughs> that's crazy because you're losing. You're automatically losing your your money and your XP that way. I just feel, I'm just no. I'm wasting my time. Like if I'm fighting like a boss or whatever. Well, just resurrect and run back to the idol, and you get to keep your shit. Is it better to do that? Yeah, because than... you don't lose half your money. I didn't even know that. It's you only lose the lose your half your money and half your XP if you p die. Period. And, like, uh, and I have to respawn at the, I didn't at the know idol. I didn't if know you that. resurrect, uh, if you resurrect and then run back to the the idol, you don't lose anything. That, that brings me to a criticism I have with the game is that you got to figure out a lot of crap on the fly. Well, it does actually tell you that in a text thing. Uh, there is there's some stuff that it does tell you that like uh, you didn't hear I think because you turned the subtitles off. Yeah, for the stream, um, and I didn't turn them back on when I started playing the next day. No, the, the, you need the subtitles. You need the subtitles in part because from one of, one of the hallmarks of from games is that the characters tell you important things sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Um, and the other thing is that the subtitles in this game are great because you can just read them and skip line by line by line, and you have to listen to what they say. You can just read at your own uh, pace. Whereas if you're listening to them with no subtitles, you're sort of stuck at the pace they're speaking in English, you know? I think this um, game is designed to be easier. I agree that the actual combat, the one-on-one -on -one confrontations are difficult and more challenging. But between the way the save system works, it just seems like the save points are far more frequent. You, it's not like you're going like three miles before you get to the next one. Like a lot of times in the Souls games, I would just start to feel hopeless. I'm like, dude, I just <laughs> barely scraped by killing this guy. I can't see a save point. I can see like seven enemies at least between me and the save point, and it would just be very discouraging. They are pretty generous with the. They're with much the closer points. together. But again, but to me, what they don't do they don't do you as much good as they do right. in, in Dark yeah. Souls. The other thing that I think makes it easier, and you really opened my eyes to this even more whenever I came over and was watching you play, and I figured it out yesterday, is the instant kills, the drop kills. Um, like, when I was playing on the stream, and literally, I had not played a second of the game. Like, I booted it up and played for the first time ever on the stream mm -hmm. in front of everybody. And then the next day, I started thinking about the game more and playing it more, and I started to realize, one, that I should be using, like, the grapple hook way more often. Like, I wasn't using it hardly at all. But two, like... Once you start using the grapple hook, you can just get up high, and you just just instant kills. Mm -hmm. You just get above an enemy, and it's just you jump down, and you hit attack while you're falling, and it just instantly kills people. And then one thing you opened my eyes to, which I didn't even realize after playing it the next day, is that you could do that to, like, mini-bosses. Yeah. Like, I was having a problem with the Unchained Ogre that we were seeing before, and Matt's like, oh, you can just take one of his health bars just doing, an, like, a, a, a stealth attack. And I was like, What? And he's like, yep. And he just climbed up and dropped down and took half his health with one attack. Yeah, and because again, you can just run away until he forgets about you and then come back. And yeah. Sneak up like I didn't even, boom. I had no idea you could do that. I didn't. I, so far, the only, the only enemies you can't reset and come back and stealth one death blow from are like the actual main bosses. Like the, the bosses that give you 
the memory the, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the the big the, up, the big upgrades. the big fights. Yeah, uh, those seem to be so far. I mean, I've only done two of them, but so far they seem to be. You end up in kind of an arena or an area where you can't get out. Like it's like you're either gonna win or die here. Yeah, and so that seems to be how that works. Yeah, uh, which is fine. I mean, it's but but there usually is a way if you're having trouble. You can at least find a way to kind of back off, come back, sneak up, and cheese them out of one life pip yeah. before. And because look, on, especially early on with the, the 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 chained ogre is one of the hardest things in a game so far, even including like the actual big bosses. That's crazy for me to hear. Um, in part because I'm t I tend to be bad at dodging grab moves, uh, and he's all grab he moves. He is. That's that's what they um, teach you before you fight him. Yeah. yeah. And um, but the, you know, and the. So, yeah, if you can do that, you only have to get them down one health bar, and, like, I think that's pretty doable in most of those cases. Whereas, like, I mean, I, I beat him again while you were here when I was kind of, like, showing you kind of kind of how that works. I beat him again, and then I got to the next section, which has another mini-boss where you have to, like, kind of pick off all the, you know, all the random trash mobs, basically, and you go down and fight this big samurai guy. And if he took me, like, three or four tries uh, when I fought him before. I beat him on one try and didn't even move. Like I, wow. just, I just stood there, block, 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 hit, block, block, hit, stab, done. See, that gets to like, another thing about this game though that's a little weird is there's a lot of time spent just standing there waiting for the enemy to attack. Because if you just go in and try to hack, like I stood there and I'm like, okay, he's not going to attack, so I'll, but then he blocks it. And then you're losing your posture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times in this game, you literally are just standing there or you're teasing, trying to get the enemy to, to attack. Because you need him to attack so that you can counter and do your thing. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is a little weird. Like, during the stream, like, I was dancing in circles trying to get the guys to attack, and they just stand there. It's a, The AI in this game is not great well, for enemies. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I, do, I, do, I do agree. It's pattern recognition. I do agree that um, the AI isn't great in terms of, like, stealth stuff in the sense that, like, it's like, hey, did you notice like you were walking in a line of four people and now there's only one of you? Like, do you not, no, yeah. they don't get that. Like, and sometimes or someone just bodies. murdered three feet away and you never saw sometimes, it. Sometimes, I mean, the one the one thing that uh, that's why I learned to not use that drop down kill very often because that it is super loud. Everybody, everybody yeah. around them sees that. Whereas if you just if you drop down behind them, if you're you know, he's very quiet. If you drop down behind him and just stab him, sometimes they don't even turn around and see. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, first off, uh, yes, they are they are giving you a lot of time before they attack in the section you're playing and because you're early. Okay. Um, there are plenty of relentless motherfuckers who will not let you breathe okay. uh, moving on. But that you're basically still in the tutorial section there. Um, also, it's kind of part of the aesthetic of the samurai thing where it's like you're supposed to stand there and size each other up. And then somebody moves, and it's all over. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's that. I kind mean, of, that's definitely the way this game yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, most fights aren't even really fights. It's just one stab, and they're dead. Yeah, it's. It uh, is a lot of shuffling around each other, blocking, and then it's usually just one blow and, that kills. Oh yeah. Ninety percent of the enemies. I love it. Um, but the combat, I don't even. To me, the struggle I've had with a lot of these games is I don't know that it's skill, whether you're quote good or not good at these games. It's pattern memorization. It's being able to read a tell. Like, the enemies will be like, some enemies will do hack, hack, low sweep. And you have to block, block, and then jump over the sweep. It's more about memorizing what each enemy type does and then reacting to it on the fly versus I have, like, razor-sharp timing. Because the timing in I these games... I would argue games, it's both. Yeah, I mean, it takes a little bit of both, for sure. But it really is, particularly with, like, the bosses and some of the tougher mini-bosses... 
a lot of it is just memorizing. It's just pattern memorization, attack sequence memorization. I don't agree with that. I think it's more knowing how the system works. And if the, you know how the system works, you can improvise when you need to, which is why I beat the first major boss with that on one try. Like, because um, I knew how all that, I, I, the, the, the previous section, the whole, and that, this, this game, the game's very good about this so far, and I think Patrick Klepek has talked about this some, uh, somewhat too. The whole section I'd played up to that first major boss had taught me everything I needed to know about how to beat that boss. Yeah. And all I needed to do, all I needed, uh, easy to say, but all I needed <laughs> to do was put all that together in the right order when he did the things he was doing so I could counter what he was after, and I managed to do that. Um, and that felt, it felt good, you know, it, it, and it felt more rewarding to me than a lot of Dark Souls stuff did because a lot of the way I got through a lot of Dark Souls stuff did what was partly pattern recognition and learning the bosses, but some of it was just like, I'm going to kill these guys, these other like random monsters in the area until I can level up to the point that instead of taking like seven hits to kill him, it's going to take three. Right. You know? Um, and that's called cheesing, you know, <laughs> frankly. But I see, I do a lot of that in this game, too. Like, I'll try, because one thing I learned on that first two hours I spent playing with the game is you can't really fight more than two guys at once. It's really, Not early really, on. Eventually, it's really, really once hard. Once you learn how, how they work and what every move they do, how it is, I can fight, like, four or five at once. Wow. Like, I'd like uh, to see in, that. In, like, the early areas here. I can, like, if I, if I, usually it's because I did something stupid and I missed something or I... I drop down and I hit the button too early. Instead of like stabbing the guy to death, I accidentally hit him, and like suddenly four guys come at me. Yeah. And I can usually get a, get out of that nowadays. But but, but nowadays, like three <laughs> days later, now at this point. But like early on, yeah, that would have been instant death for me. Like yeah, it, it, like if I get surrounded by three or four guys, I literally just intentionally die. Like I'm just like there's no no even a point in fighting. Because one thing I will say is I don't think the AI is great in this game. But at least they don't all stand around and wait for each other no, to they take, don't take turns, turns attacking. They definitely don't do that. And if two people attack you at once in this... I don't this, know why there are giant roosters. I don't either. Game. Like, that it's is so, so weird. weird. <laughs> but, like, I, I just don't think that, uh, that... Like, so when I play Ninja Gaiden and I watch enemies attack, it's like I don't memorize, like, their patterns of attacks. Like... I just, there's a flow to it. There's, okay, they attack, I block, and then I know how long to wait to retaliate with a strike so that I know it's going to land. In this, as long as you know the pattern that the enemy is going to do and you, you work within the posture system, you can land your attacks. It's more about knowing or memorizing what each enemy does and then reacting to it and doing what you're supposed to do to counter it. How is that not skill? I mean, there's skill required in memorizing. Like I mean, that, like you still have to execute, though. Like that's what I mean. It's like even if yeah, you but know the, that, I don't find the execution challenging. Like it's more. I watched that stream, dude. No, that but was... the challenge to me is knowing what the enemies are gonna do and being able to anticipate it. It's not actually physically dodging out of the way in time. Like I don't have problems with that. It's like I think the the dodge in this game is hard. Because I don't I haven't had problems because, with it really. That's because you haven't played enough Dark Souls to be accustomed to how the invincibility frames work. Uh, like I I've had to break my expectations of how dodge rolls work by playing this game because the dodge the dodging in this game is completely different and that's I think one of the th that actually has been a thing that's short circuited a lot of Dark Souls players in this game is like the dodging is not the god move that it is in Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean I get caught sometimes, but what I found is this if fucker I, catches me all the time. Well, he yeah. This guy also doesn't have a pattern. Like, this guy will not, like, 
some of the enemies you can hack hack and you know that you're not going to get caught. But this guy, you can hack him once and he'll pick scoop you up and slam yeah. you. Well, you can sometimes you get away hacking him four times before he does it. But I got to the point where I would just hack once and just right. roll away. Look, all I'll say in response to kind of like what you're saying here, get further. Okay. Like you're ju- you're judging these guys on like like imagine judging how the combat in Ninja Gaiden works off of the first level. I mean, the enemies right from the beginning in Ninja Gaiden are pretty tough. Yeah, well, they were pretty tough when you were first playing this game, too. But, like, imagine instead of being thrown into that first level with, the, with those, those, you know, those two types of ninjas, uh, we throw you right in with the, those uh, um, demon dinosaur guys. Like, that's a totally different skill set. Yeah. And it short circuits a couple of the things you learn and it teaches you a couple of new things. Um, you, you, it's like it's like yeah if like the whole game was like what you're what these early guys are like that that's true but like it's not okay like it goes i mean just even after that first boss and you wander into this first area you're like okay i beat a boss i got these upgrades i got more health now i, I got another gourd seed i'm all okay all right oh look at these guys i'm just gonna go oh no it's all over like it's like it's like you and they, they trick you too because the first guy you fight after that is just a normal dude and you're like, oh, I've got another normal dude. I'm cool. I'm gonna go in here. Da, da, da. Oh, these guys are like three feet tall. These are gonna. Oh no, they're they're oh, they. Like, this is over. Okay, like you're dead. Interesting. Like I don't know if I'll play any more of it. But and I had to come back. I have something to look forward to. And I had to come back and approach that in a totally different manner, <laughs> right, obviously. Right. And then and then it worked. But like the instant you think you understand everything there is to understand, you're going to be horribly mangled. And I mean that's that's also very true of Dark Souls. Yeah. But like this one, like just the combat system in this game is exactly what I like. I like it um, way more than so. the combat in their other games because it's just faster. It's more yeah. action oriented. You feel like you're engaged in something. Like and just I always the, felt like the Dark Souls games. It felt like I was playing them like underwater. It's like the roll would like roll. Like they are it, very. It's, it's very methodical. Yeah, and yeah. this just feels like real life. It's like quick. It's like man, when you roll, you freaking roll. And when you jump back, you jump back. It's not like this kind of slow, more cumbersome mm-hmm. combat. And so. I agree the combat, I think, is, is more challenging in this because I can't, for whatever reason, I'm having problems like doing pattern recognition with these guys. But I feel like the rest of the game has offsets it because I, as somebody who's an outsider to this franchise and hasn't been a big fan of it, I feel like I'm resonating with this one a little more because the other parts of the game aren't as punishing. Again, I think the stealth kills change everything for me because you could never do that in the dark souls game so now the backstabbing in dark souls is very limited it's way harder yeah. and it felt a little janky to be honest with you so i like that i can get up to the rooftops i'm safe up there as long as there's no guy with a gun and i can kind of troll around and kind of scope out the area and just drop down and just strategically kill people mm-hmm. without any risk at all of getting killed or like losing everything or having to go back like five yeah. months. I mean, and you just... can al- and you can always run away. Yeah, you like, can. He's faster than almost everything yeah. else in the game, and I so. love that too. Like, and I run away in like a Dark Souls game. They're all you can hear on the surround speakers yeah. their footsteps. <laughs> like, it scares you. You're like, oh my god, I can't run faster than this guy. And this, you can absolutely get away, even if you just want to breathe her. And I think that makes a huge difference. The bonfires or the idols or whatever being closer together that makes a huge difference to me man like it it gets rid of the hopeless feeling that i get a lot of times playing these games it's like i just want a big battle but i can't feel good about it because here's eight more guys that i know i'm never gonna kill and i'm just gonna die and everything i got from that last battle is gonna be gone i'm gonna have to go back to this bond and fight through all these guys again like it's not completely gone in this but it is 
quelled a good bit enough that i can see a difference personally and again i'm not that far into the game maybe that changes down the road but based upon what i've played so far no i would say that's that's pretty consistent yeah I mean, it, it changes and you have to you know you have to evolve your strategy and understand understand even more about how the combat system works and more importantly how the combat system kind of interacts with the new things the new enemies can do but it it keeps that it keeps that and also like even killing the lowliest dude in this game feels good yeah like there's a satisfaction to it because it's always a, a killing blow yeah there's never you never just chip somebody down you, you have to finish them like that's just the way the and game also, is built you, those guys can always kill you oh like, yeah even the oh, lowly yeah. you know that, that little like a kind of starting soldier guy who you can you can bully into a death blow with like three hits from the beginning of the game yeah if you stand back and do the wrong, they get, they get, they have that because you complained about it on the stream a little bit. They have like a ten-hit string Combo. they can do. It just can yeah. go, 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 and you can block the whole oh, thing. Like, Holy crap! It just kept coming, clang, 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 yeah. clang. And you can clang. block the whole thing. It's no yeah. problem. But like, it puts you on the defensive. Well, the first time it happens, really you're hard. never gonna block right. it. You'll never guess. He's well, the other thing, of course, is, is if you're if you know the pattern of how it works and when the hits come, you can let off the the defense button and tap it again, and you can get the counter and death blow right. in the middle of it. Yeah. Like that's the nuance of this of the combat system and that flow back and forth give and take which i honestly don't think anyone else has ever ever nailed quite as well as this in this and like you see like sometimes games attempt it like we're like i think i think um as bad as it was ninja gaiden 3 was trying to do something similar with that you know that system where they yeah, you stuck the sword in the guy though, and like there was yeah. a clash with it and you stuck it <laughs> yeah. in and you had to like pull it out and do that like yeah. i think they were going for something similar to the concept here but this thing nails it in ninja gaiden just fell off a cliff well that you know? game was that game was bad no yeah. i heard the the wii u version was better but i never played it i wasn't going to give it another chance <laughs> <laughs> no way no that was kind of where i was on it too but um i mean i would i mean it's going to take me a long time other? so the good thing is that you have somebody here who's not been a fan of from software and you have someone who is a fan of their games um and so you kind of get both positions yeah, on see, this anyone with a hat that fancy you're dead yeah you don't like, want to mess with kill that guy you. like <laughs> It's just a basic life lesson. Yeah. Uh, so to, if someone were to ask me, am I enjoying this more than other From Software games? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Parts of it I do like more. Like I don't, Another box quote from Shane. Yeah. Like, huh. I, huh. <laughs> like, I don't feel as hopeless while I'm playing this game as I did the Dark Souls games, but I like the aesthetics of Dark Souls and Bloodborne more. Yeah, I, I do like the aesthetics of this game, but I do like Blood. I like nothing, them too. But nothing matches Bloodborne. Yeah. Bloodborne is in a class of its own. Um, that's the first uh, uh, arm upgrade, by the way. Oh, right I, so I did get it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know it. That's funny. You got to go to the the sculptor and have him. Uh, oh, okay. Have him make it for you. Yeah. And again, that's there's so much stuff. It's like I just talking to you for the last couple hours about this game. There's so many things that I was doing that I didn't even know. I didn't even know I had that. Like, you're talking mm -hmm. about, like, some bell. And, like, I, I was like, I didn't know. Like, you're right. Like, turning off the subtitles on this game can make it rough. Also, because the voiceover in this game is mixed so low. Yeah, like, the, even wearing headphones, like, you've got to really concentrate. The, the voice mix on the Japanese language track is not all that oh long. really uh i hadn't heard the english version until you turned it on on the stream and yeah that sounded very quiet yeah me. it's hard to hear um so i apparently i missed some stuff i need to go yeah, into you like, absolutely need to and... hear what people say in the yeah. from, in this game but also just general from software games is the rule of like you talk to somebody until they stop they start repeating the same thing because sometimes you talk to people in these games not as much in this one but more in the dark souls games but like you talk to them long enough to sometimes give you stuff and the, this game tries to teach you to teach to talk to everybody multiple times 
early on when you first run into the, the boy, and the second time you talk to him, he gives you your healing item, the gourd. Like, uh-huh. you know, it's like, yes, you definitely want to talk to, to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, you're right, though. You've got to talk to him multiple times yeah. sometimes. And you which is out of the ordinary for most games. It is, but it's like standard for the for from software games, where it's just like you talk to the the NPC until they start saying the same thing over and over again. So yeah. you know you've exhausted all right, the, all, all the options. options. Yep. So so yeah, man, part of that is just you don't you know you're not immersed in that. The, yeah, I don't the know a lot subculture. of the unwritten rules of yeah. of the stuff, and I think if you're someone like me, you're going to be lost on some stuff. Yeah, but the one thing I will say. Hopefully, you have a friend like Matt who can just pay attention to along. everything it tells you, everything yeah. they say, and also all the tutorials. Because there were a few times in the stream where, like, like when you're like, "How do I pick up the the coins?" and it's like the the, the tutorial box told you ten seconds ago, but it's so weird. The way they do it is so weird. Yes, the other funny thing is like when you first started. You were trying to uh, to do something involving. Oh, you're trying to pick up the letter, and you kept uh, switching to the the, the item suck because you would yeah, hold. Yeah, if you hold square, you hold square. Right. And as, it wasn't until you did that that I realized that oh, holding square doesn't pick the thing up. The, yeah. the, the trigger to pick a thing up is when you let square go. Yeah. Which I didn't realize yep. until you did that. Because I didn't do that vacuum suck thing until it told me to later. I didn't. I never picked up on that. Until I did it, it immediately, but I'm like, what the hell is he doing? I didn't realize that it was like picking yeah. up like the coins or like, and stuff. Or like the... Because uh, there weren't any coins the first time like I did Like the airdrop it. attack. Yeah. Um, I figured that out like in the first couple of enemies because I was up on the route. Because the, the, as soon as you get me... Do they ever tell you how to do that? Much, much later. Yeah. Like So, so as soon as I was up on the, on the roof... Because you give me a grappling hook and I'm never going to be on the ground again, basically. Yeah. And so I'm up there and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can... I locked on. I'm like, I wonder if I can kill him, like, aerial. And so I dropped off and as soon as the dot turned red, I'm like, oh, button. Tap, like, tap, tap. Doing. Yeah, and I had I, one time where I didn't have a lot of uh, area above the enemy. Like, I was probably, like, three feet above him. And there, I guess there wasn't enough time to hit the button as you were falling. And I literally just flew through the floor down in the, into the ground. There are some interesting bugs in this one. Yeah. Uh, I've been hit through walls a f- fair number of times. The camera um, also is camera giving gets, me some gets problems. gets caught on walls. I've been yeah. caught in a, in a corner a couple of times. I mean, yeah. you could argue that you sh- I should be managing my space better to, be, to not end up in the corner. Yeah. But sometimes it's just shit goes crazy. And yeah. it, but, like, it, it has more, um, it has more uh, kind of bugs like that than I'm used to from the average from software game. Because, I mean, the hitboxes are great. But I've been, you know, I'm like up against the wall waiting for some guy, and some guy just starts slashing his sword through the wall yeah. and hitting me. I'm like, okay, I didn't expect, I, I don't expect that from a From game. I, I expect that from a lesser game. Also, the enemies do something in this game that happens in a lot of games. In fact, it also happens in the Division 2. They always know where you are. Yeah, they do. It's like they can just see through every wall. It's like the, the gun guys, they'll shoot at you, and you like you run away, and then you go behind a wall, and they don't just keep shooting at the wall at the point where you disappeared. No, they're shooting at you. They're where shooting you are. at you as you. They cannot see you, but they know yeah. where you are. They will forget about that happen- you eventually. If you hide yeah. eventually that happens in the division too, as well. Like they always know where you are, and like they may not have seen you for like forty seconds, and one little piece of your head sticks out behind a box, and they shoot you in the freaking <laughs> head. So it's not just this game. A lot of games do that for yeah. whatever reason, but. Uh, so and I you guess can, and saying. you can get abilities that like make you much harder to detect. So like, yeah. you know, it, which makes a big difference. Like, you know, we're talking about like stabbing a guy in plain sight from twenty yards out, and the difference between them turning yellow and not reacting at all. That's a so, big difference. So uh, those, you know, the abilities are a big deal. I have done some some grinding to get ability points to get the abilities I want that I know are they're going to fit my playstyle better. 
Um, there's a lot of, you know, so there is, it's not like, I was a little worried before, you know, I played it about, like, because it's more of an action game versus an RPG. I was worried about not being able to customize the character the way I wanted to play or I'd be yeah. stuck in, that's not, I haven't found it to be true at all. I found, I've been able to, to tweak it uh, to make it like more how I like to play him and skip the other abilities I don't care about pretty easily. So I think we know if you're a From Software fan, buy it. Yeah, matter of fact, if you're from software fan, why are you watching this? Yeah, like you're, you're probably you, you grinding should be playing for that the right, game now right now because you're not done. Yeah, you're definitely not done. Other I than, saw PC Gamer said it took him 70 hours to finish it. I believe it. Holy crap! It's a long time. I mean, I I play hours of just like, and I just like playing it. So like, no, I started doing it yesterday. I started just like using it as like a toy. Yeah, like instead when I, of worrying, because what happens is I worry yeah. about making progress, and it's just like soul crushing. No, and the more you, so do I was like, that, you know what? I'm just gonna fiddle around with this toy, basically. Well, here's the other. Here's the other thing that I do also is like when I and I did this with Bloodborne a lot too, where if I load it up again, if I haven't played it, I, I load it up. I come, you know, for the for the first time of the day or whatever, I will just play through the beginning part up up until where I am uh, because like kind of warmed up, get warmed up to sort of like hit some things, get some extra money, get the some extra. Right. But like the other thing that, that, that that's valuable about that. Um, and I did this with dark souls and bloodborne a fair amount too, is it shows you how much better you are now. Yeah. Cause if you're always just sort of pushing forward on that, that, you know, the edge of the horizon of like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, you always have that feeling of like, can I handle this? Will I handle oh, it's like this? I how do I handle the division this? Too. Right. Exactly. But if thing. you go back yeah. and like play all these, you know, the sections you've already been through, and you just handle that shit, and just you know, like where, like I said, where I, I can, I made made a mistake, like you know, in the one area, and four guys came at me, and I killed them all, and nobody touched me. And like if that had happened the first time I got to that area, I'd have been dead three times over. Yeah. But like the fact that you can go back and do that, and, and kind of prove to yourself, like, yeah, I am better than I was when I played this this part originally. And now I can handle it, and that gives me more confidence to sort of move forward into this like unknown territory. Right. Um, oh, the other thing I should mention, actually, that to me is one of the biggest deals and the biggest changes, and we do have to move on, we're running out of time, is that you cannot stumble into enemies that will just annihilate you. Right, there's no levels. Yeah, there's no levels. So it's, you don't have to worry. Like, when I was, if you watch the stream... When I first started playing, I'm like, well, I don't really want to go up this way yeah, I know. I was, because I might run into somebody. I was screaming in chat that there were no me. levels. I'm like, no, you, you're yeah. fine. There's no. Yeah. But it's funny how I mean, that... they'll annihilate you anyway because you right. don't know how to fight them. But like, yeah. it's, they, they, there's but it's no funny how that fear level. is embedded in me from having played prior games. Right. That it, I, there, there's none of that in this game. So again, another way that I think it has kind of improved to make a challenging game a little more fair challenging instead of cheap challenging, mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. But uh, you. From software fans buy it. Yeah, no question. Um, if you're someone unless like me, you hate, unless you hate or feel like you're not, like I have a couple friends who are Dark Souls fans. One in particular bought it and is unhappy he bought it because his reflexes just aren't fast enough for this game. Right. Like he can't do it. He can't do it. Get the timing right. He can't do it properly. And he's like, if I could, I would refund it. But he bought it uh, digitally on uh. like the PlayStation Store and. You're stuck. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, keep at it. Like, you, you know, you, it's like you say, um, there is so, such a thing as being inherently good at this kind of game, which I think I more or less am. But I think if you, like you say, if you memorize the pattern long enough, you'll be able to get ahead of it to the point yep. that you'll be able to do, you do it. It's going to take you longer, but I think you can get there. But not everybody wants, you know, that's not a, everybody's idea of a good want, time. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's when, that's when games start to cross the border between entertainment and work, I right, think. Right. And some people have a higher tolerance for that or lower. I have a low tolerance for that. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm working when I play games. And I think that's one Even of the, though. What? Even though. 
Even though what? You always are. Oh, because it's my job to play. You know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. But uh, so as someone who's not No matter a how much fun you're having, you're working. It's still technically work, yep. Um, which is a great life. I'm very lucky to, to have that in my life. It's also life. a good thing to have in your back pocket with your wife. Yep, that's true. <laughs> working. <laughs> good point. Uh, so from my perspective, if you're like me and you haven't been a fan, you've tried maybe most of the games or a couple of the games. I don't think that this one is going to change your mind that much. Um, I think you appreciate some of the changes. I think some of the things that have really bugged you about From Software's other games are kind of alleviated in this. But at the end of the day, it's still a really tough game, and you're going to have really difficult battles to fight, mm -hmm. and you're going to die a lot. And so if you're not a patient person, I still don't think that you're going to enjoy this game very much. No, it definitely requires uh, patience still. Yeah. But... Um... I think uh, I, it, it, you're, if you have a, an affinity for kind of the Devil May Cries or the Bayonettas of the world, uh, this is this is going to be more up your alley. It will have more appeal, absolutely. Um, or Anamusha, even something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I think you know you do need the Twitch skills more or less, but like uh, if you're cool with that uh, versus the more methodical uh, the more methodical Soulsborne approach. Um, like I really like, I mean, I think I might like this better than any of them except Bloodborne. Um, yeah, I need to get further and kind of. I've see heard the whole a lot thing. of people say it's their favorite. But so like, you know, I don't we'll think say, you're on an island there. I mean, Bloodborne is still kind of my favorite because I love the the Lovecraft sort of Castlevania aesthetic of it. I agree. Yeah. Um, versus this, but there's a point where you know, depending on how far this combat system goes and and what you run into later in the game, it could surpass it. There you go. Um, so we'll see. But like, I give it a giant thumbs up. It's it's great. It's great. There you go. Straight from one of the one of the biggest fans of uh, those games. So I'm, a, like I'm not even like mid-range fan of those games, honestly. Yeah, I guess I don't really know the no, fathoms, you, you, no, the depth of the five fathom deep. My fandom lies. Uh, no, it's it's uh, no, it's not even. I'm I'm a absolute, casual at best. Absolute filthy casual. Like no, not That's even hilarious. close. All right, we got to move on. We're running out of time. Uh, the good news is this last topic. There's not a ton to talk about. Uh, today, Sony had its first attempt at its ripoff of the Nintendo yes. Direct. Let's just the, call it what it is. The state of play. I mean, it is a blatant ripoff of Nintendo Direct, which, with, with Sony not appearing at E3 this year... <laughs> Sony not appearing in this film. Yeah, I mean, they're, not appearing maybe they're trying film. to warm up for their E3 Direct or whatever. Or, or on the flip side, maybe it's like, hey, because they said they weren't going to have any E3 Direct. Yeah. So maybe the flip side is like, well, at least they didn't show up to E3 with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there were people who thought this was gonna be two hours long uh, and like shadow drop Last of Us two. It just like, it's it out there. Just, in stores yeah. now. <laughs> Kaboom. Nope, that was not the case. You think uh, this is a Sega Saturn? Yeah. Sony's debut episode of what it's calling State of Play, and obviously Nintendo's are called Directs. It's basically Sony's Direct. Um, it was underwhelming to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Although, apparently VR is not dead. Yeah, I think that's one thing we learned from it is that Sony still cares about Sony's PlayStation VR. And I think that may be what these are. They're going to be an outlet for Sony to push some of its smaller projects, smaller, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call yeah, PSVR, it, I guess, a small initiative. It but was a, sort of a Nindies. Yeah, thing it was. It was, it was very a, much like it. It was a Cindy's. Yeah. No. It so. kicked things off with Iron Man VR, which I actually missed. I didn't get to see. So what I did saw. That look like? I saw bits of it because it was the, the YouTube stream was crashing every five seconds. So finally, I, I reloaded it. But I saw most of it. It was um, 
Well, it starts like all in first person in like a plane, and you're kind of like not sure what it is. But at a certain point, um, I realized what it was because <laughs> this certain way Tony was talking to the stewardess was basically, like, oh, that's Tony Stark. I get uh-huh. it. And then the plane gets blown off. The side of the plane gets blown up, and he goes flying out. Oh, the steward. It wasn't a steward. It was like a, it was like a, it was Friday. It was his digital assistant that replaced Jarvis in the suit, the suit AI. And the whole thing blows up, and he goes flying out of the plane, and he goes like, "Time to suit up," and the suit comes on him, and then like, and then like the the game, the whole time it shows like not actual gameplay in text uh, on the okay. bottom of the screen. So it was like CG stuff. So it was it wasn't C it was CG, but it was like it was like clearly like a proof of concept thing. And then like the the gameplay stuff they showed was like it was like first person with the you know the the readout the Iron Man readout thing, and the hand would come up and shoot stuff or shoot a missile or whatever. And so clearly you're gonna you're gonna be like. You know, motion control using... You are Iron Man with motion control. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of... Th- you're flying around and shooting stuff and doing that kind of thing. Um, yeah, sorry we don't have B-roll for all this stuff, but uh, literally, I left just as the thing was... Yeah, it, it takes too much time to, to process that in the TriCaster to, and still be on at five. Yeah, it just so. wasn't going to work for us. So I'm, I'm sorry there's no B-roll for this stuff. Uh, then they moved on to Crash Team Racing. Which we, you know, we know... It's a known quantity. Is. I do think that that might end up being a really big game for Sony, though. I just have a big seller. Yeah. No question. I mean, right now, it kind of needs it. It's kind of in a dead <laughs> zone for first-party sales. Um, this could be Sony's Mario Kart. I mean, as you all know, Mario Kart is one of Nintendo's best-selling games on mm. every platform. Is, it, this, is, this, is this multi-platform, though? No, uh-uh. It's just Sony? Yeah, I think it's just... Or actually, is it? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, the first Crash Collection was multi-platform. Right. Well, the Crash Bandicoot collection, not yeah. Crash Team Racing, though. I don't know. It's still Crash Bandicoot. It's still yeah. the same license. CIP. <sighs> I don't know. Someone in chat probably Yeah, it's knows. multi-platform, all the consoles, according, not to, according PC, to Vincent. Not PC, but the consoles. Okay, well, there you go. Still probably will sell far better I mean, on PS4 than it will on other platforms. Well, I don't know. Don't, ever, don't count the Switch out on this kind of thing. Well, you already have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, but people have been playing it for two years. Time for, time Not for people with, well, I guess, yeah, even Switch, you've been playing it for two years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Switch is two years old. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Uh, but this is pretty much a known quantity because it's a remake of a game that we've already played. Uh, much like Mario Kart 8. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next up was No Man's Sky Beyond for PlayStation mm-hmm. VR. You're going to be able yep. to play No Man's Sky in VR. Part of the second thing of the Beyond update. Yeah. Uh, Will you play it in VR? Yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. Uh, first one was um, well, the first thing is some online thing. They haven't been specific about it because they already have online. But um, you need to get your door. No, <laughs> I mean I can look at the camera, but like there's nothing I can do about it. I'm wired to the thing. Um, so the second one's VR, and there's a third thing that we don't know what that is. Yeah. Yet. Yeah, somebody delivered something. Free update. So. Yeah, of course it's free. They're all free. Yeah, it's awesome, though. Yeah. I mean, you're basically getting a brand new PlayStation VR game that's probably the best PlayStation VR game for free. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wonder how long I'm going to be able to do that. but. Oh, I'd, be, I'd last like five minutes. I'd barf. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's, I mean, people have been asking for that since before it even came out. I mean, that's sort of like a natural fit, so. Yep. Um, and then from there, it just kind of spirals down into the indie, the bowels of the indie scene. Uh, Ready, Set Heroes, Blood and Truth, which is probably PlayStation VR's biggest upcoming game. So yeah, that's it's kind of their flagship thing. Yeah, it's like their next big thing for PSVR. Um, then Observation, Five Nights at Freddy's VR. Wahoo. <laughs> I know we don't care about that, but it might end up being the best-selling place, 
PlayStation VR game ever. Maybe. The Five Nights thing is kind of, the fad is sort of over. I we'll would, I was never even started for me, but <laughs> are the and, kids over it now? Oh, the, the kids are Meaning the people now. who watch Let's Play Yeah, the, stuff. they're all in college now. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's been like five of them, I think, at this point. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is kind of a greatest hits, but also some new stuff thing. It's like yeah. you're, there's VR versions of a lot of the classic levels, but there's also some new content. So, yep. I don't know, it could be. I mean, I, I don't feel like it's a, I don't feel like it's a goggle seller. But it might be something worth I looking at. I think it'll at. sell well. You already got one. It's one. I mean, it has a name at least. A lot of the games on PlayStation VR don't. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. A lot of them are just indie games or new IPs. Um, and then there was Concrete Genie for PlayStation VR. That, that was, game looks pretty sweet. For I mean, it's, P, 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 it's PlayStation VR compatible, but I don't right. think I don't think it's necessarily like a focus. And you can't um, make play the whole game in VR. I think you can, but I yeah. don't. I don't think I will. That's what they announced today, though. Just, yeah, you, it is VR compatible. You can play the whole thing like, in VR. I was just wondering where that game went, That game frankly. looks pretty cool. Speaking anyway. of which, Golem. Yeah. What the fuck is that game? I really thought we would see something on yeah. that game today. And I had heard rumblings a couple weeks ago that it was, like, resurfacing, but... Yeah, I don't know what... what that was supposed to be a launch title. Yeah. I think... I don't know. I don't want to say... Something happened. Can't. Something happened, definitely. <laughs> uh, then they showed a new trailer for Days Gone. Yeah, pretty good trailer. Yeah. It's like, you know, at least almost got me interested in the story. It showed off how you could use the Freakers. I think that yeah. they are called Freakers. Yeah, they are called gone. Freakers. So. How you could use the Freakers to take over camps, which was yeah. pretty cool. Like, you could goad them into the camps and then just run away and just let them come in and just... I just... I there's no, I don't see the hook on this yeah. thing for some reason. I'm still going to play it, but like... Well, the original hook was, oh my God, so many zombies. Right. And now we've kind of crossed that bridge a few times Yeah. Already. I mean, I'm still gonna play it. I like open world, like post-apocalyptic guns and stuff. I mean, it's it's cool. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this game underperformed. Oh, you're definitely gonna play it because it's one of two big games next. Right. Month. It's basically this, <laughs> it's basically this in the next game. Yeah. This in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And uh, Mortal Kombat 11 had a new trailer. Jax, Kung Lao, and there was a third character. I Liu think. Kang. Liu Kang. Yep. We're showing off for the first time in MK11. They, they're really highlighting the time travel aspect where the younger and older versions of the characters are confronting each other. Yes, Jax, that was interesting. And endlessly fighting each other. Yeah. Nobody likes their younger selves, it turns out. There was out. some Jax on Jax loving going on in that trailer. And I'd just like to point out that this is the best Johnny Cage has ever been. Yeah. The, <laughs> the fatality they showed before is amazing. Um, and then, like, the thing where, like... I always know, hated Johnny Cage. I was not a fan of Johnny Cage, but I'm a fan of this Johnny Cage. Yeah, with, yeah like, they've the, done a good job changing And I love him. that, like, they referenced the, the glitch with the, the head punch in the first game yeah, yeah, with yeah. The, the retakes and the, and the fatality. And then yeah. the younger one is just like, I do my own stunts. How about you? And he goes, I got people for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, and that was it. Oh, and young Johnny Cage is ultra 90s, yeah, which yeah. is great. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm more and more, the more I see of this game, the more excited I am for it, just because it looks like they're really going to have some fun with it. Yeah, and it's only a month away. Yeah, and because I remember you asked when they first announced, like, where else is there to go with the lore for this game? And the answer is crazy. Yeah. That's, that's where, the, where we go next. We go crazy with the lore. I love, like, yeah. the younger Liu Kang and Kung Lao being like, our futures suck. Yeah. Like, we, we become zombie monsters. Like, yeah, it does. You guys got screwed by the lore, dude. <laughs> That's funny. And that's it. That's pretty much State of Play Episode 1. Yep. Uh, how would you rate that for a debut episode? Eh, it's like a C-. minus. Yeah. I'd say this. The production was good. 
production was it good. Was well uh, cut you know, and Mortal Kombat was cool. It was nice, even if I'm not super excited about most of the games. It's nice to see that PlayStation VR is still alive and kicking. Yeah. Um, with real games. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Uh, it was there was another game in uh, one of the. I don't think you had it written down. It was another game. Yeah, these were just the highlights. There's another game they, they showed it like was sort of in a, sort of like their montage of other games, and it looked like sort of a generic indie thing. But when it like kind of showed a little bit of gameplay, it was clearly like a hack and slash, cute hack and slash inspiration from Astrobot. Like clearly, like the idea of doing like a st- more standard game, but from the point of view of a VR observer, oh, interesting. seems to be catching on. That's with, good for so me. So I think that's yeah. <laughs> that's so there, exactly there couple, what I need. There were a couple things like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, so Astrobot is clearly going to make some... Have some, some ripples. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is good, because yeah. A, it works, yeah. and B, not everything has to be a first-person simulator thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into the fact that, like, you, know, you need to... Exp- Ooh. What? Well, it's a flash of light there. Everything Did you? Went, everything went dark for a second. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no wonder you have trouble parrying. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> the but it, like the fa- like the fact that like and any indication that VR developers are branching out into more diverse ways of presenting things is a positive thing to me because yeah. they need to explore what what frankly this new medium can do in terms of like presenting content. I think a lot of people are starting to glaze over at the first person stuff too. Yeah, like when yeah. we when we uh, curated the the bone boneyard stuff or whatever it was called bone. I can't remember the name of it now. Bone. I, think I, I was talking about. Earlier. I keep wanting to say Bone Storm because that's the game that Bart Simpson like Boneworks. desperately wanted to play and like got in trouble for. Boneworks. That's someone should make that. Bone Storm now. <laughs> it's about time someone made Bone Storm. We wrote a glowing uh, blurb for that, like saying, "You guys need to watch this. This is like the next level of VR." Nobody watched it, and you could you can see it's another first person VR game. You're like after a while, after you've seen like 200 of them. It's very easy to kind of glaze over and not really pay attention to it anymore. And so, yeah, I think mm. some of those experiences... That also, was kind of my reaction to Iron Man, too. It was yeah. like, oh, another first-person first sort of uh, VR toy. Basically, yeah. it's like, okay. Yep. But that was it. So I would agree with you about a C. Uh, the production was good. It was really short. It was like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, it was like 20 minutes long. Which is weird. I kind of thought it was going to be... I didn't think it was going to be two hours, but I thought it would at least be 30 minutes. But it does say a lot about why Sony maybe not... There was not, but yeah. maybe why the maybe why they decided clearly not, to not ready to talk about any of the big hitters. Yeah, yeah. So a little disappointing. So there you go. It's time for our trailer of the week, and it is GDC week, or it was GDC week. And every GDC week on Game Face, we like to focus on one of the tech demos that was shown at GDC. Now, usually GDC tech demos kind of show what's coming next, but I think since we're kind of on the cusp of what the next of the next consoles being announced. Um, they, they kind of focused this year on tech demos on either this is what we can produce now in real time if you have a crazy powerful rig, or here is something you'll never be able to produce in real, real time. Mm. So they did like a photorealism one, and then they did this one, uh, which is the Unreal Engine Troll Demo. Let's roll it.
All right, so we're already over three hours. We have no time to talk about the trailer of the week. We just need to get to your questions. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to answer a ton of them tonight because we gave you three hours of show today. We gave you a whole Avengers Endgame runtime. <laughs> we did. Uh, Vincent has a note. Apple Arcade games are only mobile exclusive. Beyond a Steel Sky is going to be on PC and consoles, too. Oh, problem solved. Yeah. Uh, let's see, from Justin Horman. That's why it looks like a real game. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> it is. Uh, has an upcoming game that's a sequel ever pushed you to play <clears throat> an earlier game in the series that you hadn't played before? A Vampire the Masquerade 2 has me playing Bloodlines now, and I want to try Dying Light pretty much solely because of Chris Avalone's involvement in Dying Light 2. Hmm... Well, first off, Dying Majora Light... Majora Tom, thank you for your subscription. Dying Light is a commitment. I mean, that's a long game. It is a long game. That's uh, good. Uh, it's it's weirdly, like, untalked about. But I thought it was way better than I expected it to be. Um, not really. I mean, to be honest, I play almost everything uh, <laughs> that comes out. If I can't... So there's not a lot of stuff I need to go back and play that I didn't play before. Um... It's probably something if I thought hard enough. I think with our jobs that we do, it's like you don't have time to wait to play the sequel for the yeah. first game and the frame. You have to play the first one. I do go back and like replay the, you know, sometimes like the first one. Like if you play the sequel, it'll inspire you to go back and play the first. Yeah, or if I can, sequel's coming out, I'll go play the original just sort of like, so if I haven't played in a long time, just so I'm like really clear on. I did that with Darksiders 3. I went back and played a little bit of Darksiders 1 and 2 just to remind myself of how those worked. So, like, when I played 3, I'd be able to have a direct comparison, which it turned out was pr uh, pr either pretty good or pointless because Darksiders 3 is so different. Uh, although they did change that. They did add a patch where you can switch to a classic mode where it plays more like Darksiders 1. Oh, interesting. Like, like it's, it's less Dark Souls-y. Um, I think like probably the most recent thing, something like that, was um, it wasn't recent, but I remember when Baldur's Gate Two came out. I had not played Baldur's Gate One, so I went back and played that, and then I played Baldur's Gate Two. So yeah, that was like twenty years ago, but like it's still, <laughs> I still did it. That's the last thing I can remember. I right honestly there. can't think of a single game. Um, I always play them when they come out, or at least I have been for the last twenty three, twenty four mm -hmm. years or so, at least. So yeah, um, yeah, I always end up playing the first one. Again, thanks to Majora Tom for subscribing via Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. Uh, from JReadVix7, with backwards compatibility going forward, this is a good question, actually. And streaming coming, what's the future for licensing with music rights and sports leagues, with games existing and being for sale in perpetuity? Does the nature of these deals change with content no longer being recycled? That's a good question. How, I mean, you're, if you're signing a deal with something for Stadia, mm -hmm. it, you really are signing it in perpetuity. In theory, yeah. I mean, infinity. Mm -hmm. Those contracts are going to be tough to ink, I think. Yeah. I mean, that is an interesting... You know, the sports game thing, I never, I hadn't actually thought of that, where like the idea that like, you know, you wouldn't be able to go back to last year's Madden. There's no reason to, though. Because the game's always alive. So it's always updating, you'd assume, it's always updating the players. Right, but what I mean is like there's people who prefer like the mechanics of this year's NHL right. or this year's Matt, you know, and you can't yeah. go back to that. Although the idea wouldn't, would probably be that they would not evolve the mechanics that hard. Or I wonder right. if they do create like these legacy versions where at a certain point they freeze the game 
and then leave that as one version of the game yeah. and then continue on? My like, who knows? Like, it opens question, up the door for a lot of stuff. Like, my question on that ends up being, like, well, where's the financial incentive for them to do that if someone's not buying those games individually? Right. Now you're just running two instances of it for what? You know, run the run the current instance only, so they have to buy the microtransactions for that. You know? <laughs> yeah, like it's it's uh, you get into you know it, it, that's the thing about this this the Stadia thing, the model that they're proposing. I think it makes all the decisions way more business oriented than creative oriented, and we're already in a place where business oriented decisions dominate creative oriented decisions already, and this is just pushing you further towards that. I'm not a fan of the streaming. I think we figured that out. I don't know if you picked that up over the course of this episode. But. You can read between the lines. Uh, Headingham J, are you at all concerned about that game company's newest Apple exclusive game, Sky, not being shown with Apple's game subscription service? It's been seven years since Journey. Yes. What the hell? Didn't even think of that. What the hell is that studio doing? I don't know. Guys, has it been that long since they made a game? Yeah. Hmm. Think about it. And Journey lasted, what, 90 minutes? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm really concerned about that studio. I mean, just the fact that it decided to do, like, a, an iOS-exclusive game, that's just weird to I me. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I, I, I had, yeah, I would never have thought of that until, until you mentioned that. Something's wow. going on over there. Something's up. Yep, something's Way up. up. <laughs> All right, we'll answer one more before we got to go. I'm sorry, there's a ton of questions in here, guys, but we're already well over three hours for this episode. Um, can never read the light green names on white. Uh, mm -hmm. I can never read the light green games on the white background, like that name right there. It's Threadzilla. It's always hard for me to read. Um, what would an ideal state of play look like for you? Maybe some people are upset that we we didn't enjoy it. Uh, same format, bigger announcements. What would shoot the hype levels off the charts for you? It's very simple. It's games that we actually care about. Yeah, I mean, not yeah. that we don't care about Crash no. Team Racing or Mortal Kombat, but those are known quantities. Like, I mean, yeah, I just don't think I didn't expect anything more from it. Really, it's just it's just kind of an update. I mean, State of Play is a decent title for it because like it's just sort of an update on how things are. It's like, yeah, I know everything's there. VR is not dead. Days Gone's coming out next month. Mortal Kombat's coming out next month. Cool. Like you know, if you, but if you want to focus like, on first party. That's what yeah. I think it needs more of. But if you want to blow blow my mind out the back of the theater, like you're gonna have to do something like, you know, drop the Shenmue Three Kickstarter, right? Or a new so, chunk know, of like, gameplay for The Last of Us Part Two or whatever. Like they could have done a ton of stuff. I don't think that these shows should be competing with Jeff Keighley. Like they shouldn't be like out there trying. I mean, basically, you look at it. That MK trailer that closed it. Like back in the game trailers days when we got exclusives, I would have been fighting for that exclusive with Sony. That's weird. Like, hmm. they, they shouldn't be in the game of competing with Jeff Keighley to get, like, the hottest new trailer or whatever. Like, they should use the resources that they have, which is their games that they're creating, that only they have access to. And that's what they should be focusing on. Nintendo's been very good about making sure the crux of almost every Direct is first-party stuff. And then the third-party stuff is kind of sprinkled in here or there, if at all. Yeah, this but I... Sony thing was like... Hey, it was the opposite. It was all third-party stuff, and here's a sprinkling of our stuff. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be how Sony rolls, though. I mean, especially if they're not going to go to E3. It's like this is partly a bone thrown to the, yeah. the various games that are not going to benefit from their presence at E3. Yeah. 
You know, that seemed to me, maybe not this early is that specific thing, but if they do another one closer to E3 or later in the summer, I think that's all, that's definitely in play. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of expect them to be sort of in a holding pattern right now because they're not going to E3. They're not showing off their big games right now. We don't even know when any of them are coming out. I don't think we're going to know for another six months or so. Um, you know, I don't, I don't understand what Sony's doing or why they're doing it or where they are right now, really. But, like, I don't expect really anything from them. I'm surprised we even got this much, frankly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, you want to shoot my hype through the roof? Give me a freaking release date for Ghost of Tsushima. The, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the every, the every man. Sekiro ma- for everyone. The every man's Sekiro. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I'll say this. I'm looking, I'm more looking forward to that now after I played Sekiro. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. We got to wrap it up. It's been three hours. This is a record. This is our longest episode of Game Face ever. So Isn't thank. It, didn't we go like 345 once? No, uh-uh. Stretch yeah. another minute. <laughs> Stretch it another, another minute. minute. <laughs> well, I still have to close it out. And I'm pretty long-winded. Uh. Joaquin Dragoon, thank you, man, for the bits. Appreciate it a ton. Uh, thanks to anybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime during the show while we were not paying attention to chat. Uh, thank you very much. A couple of you guys did wait to the end. Thanks very much. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this show on iTunes, that's right. Our show is on iTunes, folks. I know people on YouTube may not realize this. Our show is on iTunes. So if you don't want to wait for the video version, usually the audio version on iTunes comes up about a day before it ends up on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, if you were listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes, uh, thank you very much, first of all. But also, if you could help us out uh, by uh, subscribing via Twitch Prime, uh, it'll give us a free $2.50 every month. And you got to do it every month. It's a pain in the butt, but we would really appreciate it. Instructions are in the description. So anyway, it's weird. It's Monday night for us to be doing games. I don't know if we've ever done a Monday night episode. I ever. Remember. I don't think we have. Mm, I don't know. I think it's the first time. We've done 161 of them. I, don't, I know, I don't but that's remember. the crazy part. But I don't think it was, we've ever done a Monday. But anyway, I know I Monday. I think we recorded like a freestyle A freestyle on a episode once. on a Monday. I think but it didn't right. go up Until Monday. like, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, hey, it's Monday. I know Mondays suck for everybody. Everyone's going back to work after the weekend. So thanks for spending some time with us. I know you probably just want to kick your feet up and pass out on the couch. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks for hanging on the stream. Game Face is up and out.